Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. You're listening to the Zinger Nation Power Hour, where we give you the rundown on the hottest trades and stock ideas. For the best experience and most up-to-date information, tune in live on the Benzinga YouTube channel, weekdays at noon. Thanks, and enjoy the show. All right, I'm back. How's that? Hey! Hey! Boom. Wait, what's is Gary up? What's up, man? On the show or what, what were we saying? Gary hey, V you know, on the we, show tomorrow. What time? We've been working hard, man. We've been working 11, hard. 11.15 a.m. Eastern time. E.T. All right. All right. I might have to tune in for that one. You should. Definitely, you should. Definitely, and you, definitely. You, you, you know how Spencer Israel is. He probably won't listen because he, he just likes <laughs> his own thing and, you know, not supportive of others. But I mean, Gary V is the guy. One. This is That's the guy that brought up TikTok like four years yeah. ago, guys. This guy like, is ahead of the curve. Ahead of the curve. J- yeah. Jason Rasmus, I'm getting word. I got my earpiece in. I'm getting word from the studio that, that Gary V is he doesn't think he's coming tomorrow. Uh-oh, Wait, uh-oh. who said? Who said Jason, he's not coming? Jason, Jason, what happened? Did I, we I get a connect you don't have? Let me get some clarity. Did we get a connect that Jason Rasmus? I was gonna show you. Have? I can't hear anything, so don't you what are they saying? Nothing. What's up, Brad? Okay. So <laughs> Gary V truly coming on? He's yeah. coming out. I hung out with Gary V in Cleveland. When you talk to Gary, maybe he remembers we were at the Cavs championship game. I was trying to find you guys a photo. Oh, there we go. Where am I looking here? There he is. I don't know. It's on delay. We see it. We see it. We see it. We see it. To see. Okay. We see it. <laughs> you I might have to get it closer. <laughs> oh, look at Boom. that. There we look go. That. There we and, go. And you know it's Gary when he has that scully on. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> My man loves his scullies. Look at me now. I was skinnier then. So, um, all right. But guys, <laughs> I am on a public diet, so you guys can hear. I was 217 after this trip, 211 today. So that might have been some weight. So in two weeks, if I'm not under 200, I have to send every viewer $20. All right. So how many viewers do we have here on this right now? 490. 490. So 20 times 490. 10 Gs, right? 10 Gs. So I have to send $10,000 that if in two weeks, I'm not under like 205. That's a fair number, right? Mm-hmm. Okay. That's a deal. All right. Thanks, guys. I'll, I'll catch you later. Got to go make some trades. Peace. Let's do it. Let's do it. All right, guys. I'm going to go ahead and get the power hour started. (laughs) The best way we know how. Get those hands up. It's time. Get ready. Let's get ready to rumble. Information jam-packed show today. Peloton of 5%. What's up, Discipline Investor? We got Benzinga CEO Jason Raznick here with us. The man, the myth, the legend, Tom Nash. Peter Schiff on the Power Hour with us live today. Interesting, different, unique, innovative companies. Mia, you are live with us on the Power Hour. What's up? Thank you so much for inviting me on. Jessica Billingley, that is the CEO of Aperna. The best trade idea resource out there. Where's he, Tony? Tony, say, Jason, good luck with your weight loss. Everybody's trying to, to be an asshole, so say he's not going to do it. They want their they 20 They can't bucks. hear you. They can't hear you. T- Tony is in for you. All right, guys. We saw the comments. Here we go. I did say 200, but that's 11 pounds in two weeks is kind of a lot. So we're going to say 205. Producer Rohan, 
he he can't hear me, I guess, or maybe he can. I can he, hear you. He's going to order a scale. I'll do a weigh-in every two days. It'll have a digital output read. Every two days, I will weigh in here on the on the show. So that's what I'll do. Now, Rohan, they want to know if the screens behind them are going to show anything else. Are you going to show some charts or anything like that, some stock stuff? They want to see some it's stuff. It's a work in progress Rohan. right now. I can show um, some other stuff. Oh, yeah. Rohan said he's working on that in about 10 minutes. We'll have some other charts. Uh, just give him a few minutes. Okay. And then Wingstop, that's a problem. I ordered Buffalo Wild Wings today. And so are wings really that bad? I think the key is not to eat bread. Not to eat bread. You know? Wait, is six pounds in two weeks not possible? I think it is. Oh, they're saying two pounds a week. I, I, I got so much extra weight on me, though, right now, guys. I mean, come on. Look at this. Two a week is like what doctors say, and what they're really trying to say is four a week. Look like at when this. You look at I can... It says, use this. Take an Advil once every six hours. Take two every six hours. Come on. I can, I've struggled with weight loss, but I have the Zinger Nation community on our side, except for um, Steve Delaney. He really doesn't want me to lose weight. So other than that... Um, other than that, we'll do it, okay? We're in this together. Remember, Zinger Nation is one. We're, you have our wings? Okay, Aaron has the wings. All right, I'm, the, the carbs. Tomorrow. No, today, the wings don't have bread on them, I don't think. I did get cheese quesadillas, but those are going to be for other people. I ordered a bunch of wings, and I got quesadillas. Cut on bread, cut on fried food and sugar. All right, and then, you guys, it's us versus Steve Delaney. We can do this, okay? Um, all right. All right, let's let's do this. Luke's gonna get to stocks. This is the trade idea show. We bring the ideas. That's what we do here. We love you, and we'll have to move the the reading thing of these things. We need, we need another, another camera, camera over here, Luke. But, but they're they're working on it. They're working on it, guys. They're working on it. Steve Delaney, I love you though. Don't worry. Peace. All right, so we're all piling in on Steve Delaney today. That That's the name of the game. You know, last week we gave out some prizes for best joke of the day, specifically some 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 jokes about John Deere when they got added to the space ETF. Today, today we're making J J Steve Delaney jokes. Um, <laughs> what's the address there? I'm ordering pizza. That's hilarious. All right, Steve Delaney might win the his, his own joke competition. But all right, guys. Let, let, let's get rocking and rolling. Let, let's dive right into it. As Jason mentioned, this is the Trade Idea Show. This is the Power Hour, baby. That's why we're spending this time together. I, ideas for my, coming from myself, coming from Jason, coming from our special guests, and most importantly, coming from all of you out there in the chat, all of you out there in Zinger Nation, hanging out with us on, on any given day. I am ready to get rocking and rolling today, guys. A uh, few things that, that I have on the docket to talk about. Um, uh, we're, we're going to do covered calls that, that, that was a hot request from yesterday. Uh, I do want to talk a little bit about OTC slash, slash, slash some, some penny stocks. It's not something we've covered. I get a lot of questions about it. We did talk about that one little, uh, hydrogen stock yesterday. So, so, so we can talk about that. Um, Trimble ticker TRMB. We, we, we hit a swing trade on that one. We got to check in on where that trade is at, how we're managing it. As I mentioned yesterday, we're still long the trade. We're still long the stock. Uh, uh, but we might be, be navigating out of the trade. Uh, and then last things last, if we have time, I want to talk about Ford. Y'all know I like Ford and, and we might get to that one and boom, sleeves are rolled up. That means it's action time. It's go time. We are ready to get cooking today, guys. Uh, I have all the pens that I need. So if you have stocks to, to take a look at, drop them in the chat. We'll, we'll check them out. Uh, 1230 today, Jonah, Jonah Lupton jo joining us once again, favorite of the chat. 
favorite stock picker. He's he's gonna be dropping those. Uh, and we're just gonna get going from there. Does that sound good? All right. I see somebody in the chat saying, let's get it. Then I'm gonna have to agree. Let's get it. Um all right, let, let, let's start off in, in, in the world that we don't no, normally start, which, which is the world of, of OTC stocks. And, and I guess let, let's talk about penny stocks specifically. Okay. And, and let me get my screen share ready here. Share screen. There we go. All right. So, so penny stocks. I get asked probably more questions about penny stocks than, than anything else. Um, and I understand the appeal, right? The, these are the stocks that, that can make massive runs, but they're also the stocks that, that can absolutely blow up in your face. My first brokerage account that I blew up, and I blew up three between the ages of like 15 and 19, somewhere around there. I blew up three accounts. The first one that I blew up was following penny stocks. Um, and, and so so basically, I've got three tips for if you're really interested in that space, you want to go find some of those stocks. Here, here are the criteria that I look for. First things first, uh, stock promotion avoided all costs, right? If, if you are hearing about the stock, you're finding out about it because you got some sort of a newsletter or you saw some sort of an advertisement that said, hey, this is the stock to buy. Go hit this one. Uh, chances are that the price action in the stock will be fleeting, right? The, the stock has already run up because they're putting money to, to market the stock. Um, you know, if, if you're finding out about the stock that way, you're probably late to the game. Uh, solution number two, or, or tip tip to look at number two, real revenue. Whenever I'm buying a company, I want to see real revenue, right? Uh, I don't want to see, hey, we think that we're going to generate revenue a year from now, six months from now. We have some asset that's worth XYZ. I want to see the company actually generating revenue, and I want to see an, an income statement that I can actually understand, right? It breaks down costs in a way that makes sense, uh, et cetera. Cr criteria number three, uh, I'll look at their investor relations website. Right, I want to see a really developed investor relations website, and and not so developed that when you go to the main page of their web, of their website, like where you would be a customer to buy a product, they're just advertising the stock. When I say when I say developed, I mean I want to see an investor presentation. I want to see that they speak at conferences. I want to see that they provide regular quarterly updates. They may even have conference calls for their investors. So so those are the three criteria that I like to look at. Again, we don't talk about these stocks often on the show because they are not a favorite of mine. I've lost more than I've won picking these stocks. But but again, you can absolutely grab winners out of them, right? A stock we talk about on this show a ton is, is our Voyager Digital, right? We can see the average price, 66 cents here. Stock less traded, $34. Um, and and so, so you can make these massive runs, right? I'm not going to get a 5,100% a return on anything else. Um, but again, I, I think that they're tough. If you are so inclined that you need to get into that space, you want to look at some of those names, uh, that those are a couple of the criteria that I recommend. Uh, and, and, and I'm curious too, I'm going to throw this one out to the chat. If anybody else has, has favorite penny stocks of theirs, dro drop them in there. I'm going to throw some of these up on the board. Uh, I see ha Happy saying uh, uh, Pong F, HMBL. I don't know what HMBL is. Uh, IMVU. Um, <laughs> and, and then my favorite, Christian Gallagher, uh, his three tips for penny stocks. One, don't buy them. Two, sell them if you have one. And, and three, don't don't look back at them, it, which is is more or less that that's where I hang out. I see I see a couple other names popping in there. So, again, I, I get a lot of questions about these. That's why I wanted to make sure to talk about them. I, I think that if you look for those three items, 
uh, you're, you're in a decent position that, than if you're you're just trying to guess. Again, we're, we're trying to avoid stock promotion. We want to see real revenue and a PL statement that we can understand. Three, we want to see an investor relations site that provides some serious transparency. So, so, so that there, there's our spiel on penny stocks to to get the day warmed up, to get things going. Um, and and what was that? While we're on it, what was that water stock, the hydrogen water stock we were talking about yesterday? It was like that eight cent stock. Uh, we we had Ash dial in and and gave us the lowdown on it. It was like LTVN or something like that. Does anybody remember the name of that ticker? LVNT. No, LTNC. There we go. All right, LT. All right, I'm throwing this one out to Zinger Nation. First ass that I'm making of the day. First air horns of the day. Boom, there it is. All right, throwing this one out to Zinger Nation. If anybody is in this stock, drop the one in the chat. I'm curious, does, does anybody like this thing or not? Are, are you hanging out in the name? Uh, but all right, stock last traded 7.6 cents. Look, looks like it's down about a half percent today from, from where we talked about it yesterday. Uh, again, if you guys re- recall, we, we, we talked about this one because I've seen it all over social for the past few days. Didn't know the story behind it. We, we, we had somebody come on to the show, you know, get, gave us the rundown on it and, and sort of explained, Hey, yeah, it's sort of just a hype thing. Um, they, they sell hydrogen water, which I don't, I don't, I don't know what the product is. I don't know the company. I don't know the story. I'm not trying to be a, a hater. So if this is your stock, uh, uh apologies. Um, but I don't know. No, nothing interesting today. We'll, we'll look at this one a, a couple more days this week, see, see if there's any energy or momentum that got into it. Um, but all right, we'll, we'll take a look at that one. Uh, next up on the list, let's look at your TRMB, TRMB, Tango, Romeo, Mike, Bravo, Trimble. We're, we are going to make a trade on the show. As as I said at the top of the show, this is the trade idea hour. Uh, we we are we are trading in any trade that we make in our live portfolio, which we just had up on the screen. Boom, here it is back up on the screen again. Uh, with any trade that we make, we we try to make it live on the show. Having a decent day, right? I'll take a day where we're up three thirty. Is spy still down today? Let's see. So spy's up a little bit. So it's not a great day. We're we're just hanging out. Um, but all right. Ticker TRMB Trimble. Let's talk about this one. All right, let's some 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 action on this name. Uh, if, if you guys recall, we hit this stock on a swing trade last week. Uh, whenever I am going to pick out a stock, I, I need to have two things. I need to have some sort of a catalyst or a story. I also need to have uh, uh, a, a number to back me up. Okay, so so check this out. Uh, TRMB. Let's look at it. TRMB. All right, number side of things first. Uh, we, we saw the stock. It was coming right up to this previous resistance. Um, that's so small for you guys. There we go. All right. We saw the stock coming up right up to some previous resistance. Uh, it, it looked like it had a chance to break out. So we went ahead and we hit the stock along the story side of it was that it got added to the Kathy Wood arc X ETF. It's the biggest holding in that ETF. So we like that because it's going to drive some social, some social energy. It's going to get news chatter going to get more people thinking, talking about the company. So, so, so that's why we went ahead, uh, and we hit the trade long, um, you know, as, as you can see from, from our entry price here, 7670 that we got into the name, uh, eight and a half percent gainer. I mean, we, we did that in four days, right? It's not the type of trade that is going to make us a million. Whenever I can make eight and a half percent in a couple of days on a swing trade, uh, I will take it. I will run to the bank with it. So, so I am going to go ahead and close this position out. Uh, I, I told you guys what I was going to look for to close the trade. 
Um, I was already satisfied with the price action, the gap that we got yesterday. I said, when the momentum cracks, uh, you know, we're going to go ahead and exit the position. If the momentum keeps going, we'll let it run. You know, I, I don't want to be the one to say, hey, you know, it, it pops, it popped this day. I could have sold it then. I said, hey, the momentum is behind it. I will let it run. We, we see it. The momentum has popped today. Uh, so we are going to go ahead, close the stock out. We, we are going to take our money. So we're going to sell. Come on now. We, we, we need some, some more sounds. Mama. All right. We're, we're not going to be able to sell this thing. We always run into these issues trying to trade this. So I'm going to have to do this on the show. So, so again, guys, uh, the, the, the trade of the day that we're making, I've got two trades. Uh, we're going to talk about price action and two more stocks that I have in the live portfolio. So stay tuned. We're, we're going to get to those. Uh, again, we, we've got one long-term hold we're going to dig into, two long-term holds we're going to do, and a swing trade. Three more stocks today. Then that's even before our, our guests come in. Um, yeah, see somebody somebody saying this is annoying. Uh, so so we will exit this. Jot it down in your notes. Closing Trimble right here, eighty three bucks, pretty much on the dot, eight and a half percent from from when we entered it last week, and we will move on from there. All right. Um, uh, let let let's go ahead take a look at some in the chat. All right. So 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 if you're let, this this is what we're gonna do next. So so if you're just joining us. I, I've got three existing positions that I want to talk about. I want to dig into today. Uh, I, I have uh, two more live trades to make. Uh, so, so, so I've got a swing trade, uh, and and then I've, I've got a uh, uh, I've got a swing trade. Two long term holds to dig into. So hopefully we'll have time to get to those today because I want to get some more trades in front of you guys again. This is the Trade Idea Show. That's why we're doing it. That was a nice one. Um, uh, and, but but before I keep going, uh, I, I always promise the chat, we're going to look at some stocks, some tickers in the chat. Uh, so let's go ahead and take a look at those. Um, Funko. Let's look at Funko. Wow. What a day. This chart looks nice. I have not looked at this stock in a little while. Um uh, if you guys recall, I think it was three weeks ago, we sold puts against this stock. Uh, we, we basically made all of the premium that we can make by selling the puts. Oh, Neil Hamilton's calling. I'll answer my phone. Let's see. All right, Neil, what's up, man? You're 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 here. You're on the show. Uh, I just wanted to distract you a little bit. I, I, have a, I have a question. Can you talk after the show? About what? Time after the show? It depends what it's uh, about. Mostly Benzinga. Not interested. Okay, see ya. All right, see ya. Thank you, sir. All right. Funko, ticker FNKO. Um, pretty nice looking chart here, quite, quite honestly. Um, we, we sold puts against the stock a couple of weeks ago. But ba basically what the scenario was, uh, we, I don't remember what, what, we, 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 we won, quote unquote, won in the trade in that we we collected all the premium that could be collected from the stock from the put selling and basically the risk that we took on is is we we have the agreement to buy the stock at a lower price than it was trading at if the stock price fell stock price didn't fall so we collect the premium we don't get the stock the chart looks good in my opinion uh especially I love to see it up at, you know 5% on a day where you know we're we're still talking a little bit about this rotation into value um 
So, so I am going to throw this one out to the crowd, guys. Zinger Nation, I'm making the ask. You got to call it out there. Uh, if you guys like Funko, uh, and if you don't like it, throw me the two. Again, I want to see where everybody's at with this one. Uh, again, what one if you like the stock, two if you don't like it. Uh, th- th- throw me, throw me some wisdom there, guys. Um, yeah, double the Luke, double the fun. We're, we're just sort of screwing around, baby. That, that's what the power hour is all about. Excellent, excellent. Yeah, there we go. Boom. All right, and we got a mixed bag on Funko. I see a lot of you out there not voting. And, and so then I'm going to make this ask as well, guys. Uh, but before I get to my next trade, we're, we're going to do swing trade next. All right, here, here's the agenda. All right, I'm, I'm going to go fast. If you think I'm talking fast now, we're going to go faster. We're, we're going to go swing trade, long-term investment, ticker out of the chat. So, so start dropping those in. And then we're going to bring our guest out who's going to do some stock picking. All right, so so swing trade, long-term investment, chat, guest. Within the next 30 minutes, I guarantee we will be at eight more trade ideas. So I'm going to make the ask to you guys, share the stream, like the stream, get this thing out there. If you're in a Discord, drop it in. Say, say Luke is about to drop some, some ideas right here. We're going to have Jordan Lupton on. He's a great stock picker, run, runs a fund with, with, at Social Capital. He's going to be dropping ideas on here. So, so, so that's the move. One million dollars. All right. First things first, I'm bringing Neil up here too, because I'm going to be dramatic right now. All right, Neil, yesterday I took a YOLO effing trade. I took a major YOLO trade. It was not for no reason, but but it was a hell of a YOLO trade. They laughed at me. They said, Luke, get, get out of here. What, what are you doing? This is the worst trade of all time. You know, I, I got harassed. Uh, I hit the trade anyways. Ticker EBS, Emergent Biosolutions. You know the stock, Neil? Mm-mm. You should know it. It's, inf- it's, it's infamous. They screwed up the Johnson and Johnson vaccine. When, when Johnson and Johnson had to stop the shipments, future shipments for, for the vaccine, uh, they they were the ones that made the mix up. They, they basically, I think, they combined orders from two different customers. Uh, so 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 that was the move there. Um, the stock got hammered on that news. You see the, see a gap and two big red candles there. I saw the stock was coming into some some support, right. <laughs> Yesterday we were looking at this. The stock was sitting right here, right on the that support. Some previous buying. Plus, the company came out and they said, this screw-up is not going to affect our 2021 guidance. This screw-up is not going to affect our, our contractual obligations to fulfill vaccines. Uh, so we are okay. Yes, we screwed up, but but the company is fine. I think this is a one-time item. I don't think it's going to have a big financial impact because, again, they said it's not in their guidance. So so we hit the trade long. Uh, again, we are hoping for a bounce off of support. Uh, we, we, we've got a little bit of action today. Not much, right? You, you got the stock up 1% on a day when the S&P is up like a uh, 0.2, 0.3%, something like that. Not doing a ton for us yet, but I'm hanging with it, watching it closely, and, and we'll see what happens to this thing. I can hardly believe it myself. Yeah, it's a win because it didn't, it just didn't break down past support. <laughs> Held support. Going long. Hit, it, okay. hit the soundboard. <laughs> Yeah, good, right. jo- good job, Luke. All right, so so I said I was going to do a swing trade, a long-term trade update, uh, and then we're going to pull one out of the chat before we get to our guest. All right, so there's the swing trade. EBS, hanging out in it. If you're in it with me, great. Um, you know, if if not, wh- whatever, you were a hater. They laughed at me yesterday, and, you know, they fucking laughed at me. All right, How trade number they? two, ticker F, 
Foxtrot, Ford. We haven't talked about Ford in a little while, guys. Uh, Ford 2021 stock of the year. Again, whenever I get into a trade, I need to see two things. I need to see numbers and I need to see a story. If, if I don't have both of those, I'm not getting into it. Number side of things, valuation looked fine, right? Stock is trading in line with the automotive industry. The ratios are okay. Growth is okay. Margins are okay. Getting better. Uh, you know, dividend could come back, etc. You, you've got that whole sort of thing. So, so, so that's why the stock looks good on, on the number side of things. The story, uh, the, the big story, EVs, right? We, we see what I call this EV energy. You know, you might have heard the term big D energy. Uh, EV energy, that's what I'm talking about right here. Um, that's what the, we've seen the, the share rise in, in Tesla and NEO and whatever you want to call it. Um, you know, Ford signaled to us that they're going to spend a ton of money marketing and launching their uh, EV platform this year, right? They've got their first vehicles coming out. They're, they're, they're going to be pushing the products, et cetera. Uh, running all the TV commercials. I saw some energy flying into the stock. That's why we hit it. Um, you know, we've been in a little bit of like a consolidation station for the past couple of weeks here. No, nothing super interesting going on. Stock staying above that $12 level, below the $13 level. Uh, we made a run today, right? You can see these are daily candles that we're looking at. We're pretty darn zoomed in. We made a run to 13, got rejected. Uh, you know, I think the stock still has a chance to make a run up there. So, so I'm hanging out in it long, but I am going to hit a trade on this thing, Nielski. And, and while, while I'm pulling this up, I'm having interactive brokers issues today. Uh-oh. But while I'm pulling this up, Neil, what, do you have any opinions on, on Ford chart, your Mr. Technical Analysis? Mm, yeah, I mean, you got to look at volume. Ford is good. Ford is strong. I would be in Ford right now. I, I am in Ford right now, actually. It's funny you say I bought Ford yesterday. So that, it's breaking out of that that uh, sloping consolidation. If you could draw a line on it, but you can't. All right, here here here's the move, Neil Hamilton. We're we're gonna sell some calls against Ford. All right, live trade. Boom. We 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 already did one. We sold Trimble. I give you the update on EBS. Now we're gonna make a trade on ticker F Ford. We're gonna sell some calls against the stock. Okay. Our our average price in Ford, if you go back to the portfolio, is about eight dollars and fifty cents. We're already up very nicely in the stock. Plus, we, we, we have uh, uh, calls, right? We, we've got the $12 strike, 2021 calls. Again, we bought those and the stock was about $8.50. Uh, I'm going to start selling covered calls against this stock on a very consistent basis. Basically, what I do when I sell covered calls uh, is, is I collect premium right away. Right? I, get, I get paid for taking on some sort of a risk. The risk that I'm then taking on is that I might have to sell my shares of Ford to somebody for $14 at some point of time in the future, Okay. So, so I'm looking at the 14 strike calls. I'm going 24 days out. Let's click on this here. We are going to sell some of these. Uh, how many Dude. shares do we have? <laughs> I, mean, I have the exact opposite thesis. I'm going long forward. I'm going to buy. No, calls. I am long. I'm long. I own stock. I own calls. And now I'm selling calls against it. Okay. Right. So, so we're selling some covered calls here. Right. We're, we're going to sell five contracts, 24 cents a piece. So you get $24 a contract, 24 times five. So we're going to get 120 bucks. Not, not, not a ton of money, right? It's not crazy money. It's not FU money by any means. Uh, but, but it continues to lower our, our average in the shares that we own. Plus, again, the, the stock has already hit our, our price target. Uh, so we'll just continue to sell this regularly. There's no reason not to. The, the, the thing would be if the stock climbs above. Uh, 14, 14, let's say it makes a bull run to 15, right? 12, Ford, I don't think is going from 1250 to 15 in the next 24 days, but, but that's the risk that we're taking on. Again, it's not like we're, we're making a ton of money, but we can do this every single week and, and just continue to sell these forward looking calls. Cause again, the stock's already hit our price target. If I get more upside, great. 
Um, if not, just continue to lower that cost basis and take some risk out of the trade. Uh, I just want to say that on a break above like $13.60, the price target's about 15 bucks. What are you looking back? Like eight years? Here's the 10 year chart. Nope. Just I'm looking at right now, just using a Fibonacci. Uh, well, you got your fibs. Mm -hmm. Yeah. We'll, we'll, we'll make some new three year highs. All right, Neil, our, our next guest is ready. I don't know what your plan is. Like, I don't know if you're hanging out or what, but. No, I got some work to do. Um, good seeing you, everyone. Uh, get tactical every day at 9.30 a.m. Tune in. It's better than this. It is. It's better oh, than that's this. hot. That's hot. <laughs> okay. All right. Peace, good luck, Neil. man. See ya. Hey, thanks for coming on. All right. All right, guys. Th there we go. So so we, we hit some updates. We talked about the EBS. We talked about the Ford trade. We talked about the Trimble trade. We, we will keep them flying. But, but of course, I don't want to make our special guest wait. I mean, he, he's the man of the hour, much more so than I am. Uh, and he's, he's going to go deep on a couple stocks. So let's bring him on. Jonah, what is up, man? How you doing? I'm good. How are you? Doing well, man. Thanks for joining us. The, the last time you were on... We brought some positive energy. We single-handedly turned the market on a shitty red day to very green. So, so I remember that. I remember uh, so, that. Yeah, yeah, I mean, let's see what we can make happen today. I'm, I'm up 2% today, so but maybe we can go even more green. There we go. You turn two, 2 to 3. Okay, nobody's going to complain about that. See, for me, today's all about Transmedics. So Transmedics has their FDA panel hearing today. So the stock's been halted since this morning. So that's the uh, that's what I was watching. That's what I'm watching all day. I actually okay. canceled all my my calls and uh, meetings today just so I could watch the panel hearing all day. So you guys are you guys are the only meeting I actually kept on the calendar. Well, so a couple things to say about that. First of all, we, we are very thankful that that you you come and hung out with us. Uh, I, I've been like bugging produ producer Aaron. I'm like, dude, we need to get Jonah back. He, I, he he's, I probably asked him like 18 times. So so three times a week. <laughs> all right i know okay i'll tell him to lay off but he's doing oh, it because fine. of me I I like you're like one of my favorite guests that we ever brought on okay so so i appreciate uh, it <laughs> so 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 that's why I'll, I'll take the fall there um but all right so so transmedic so you're saying you're watching this fda panel hearing um what what are you looking for it, it's basically a, a decision date is is that what's going on so I'm not an expert in this stuff but the way that it typically works so transmedics did their presentation this morning, starting at about 9.30. I think they went for about an hour and a half. So they go through all their slides, they bring on their experts, you know, they kind of, they build their case. Um, and then the FDA comes on and does their presentation, which goes at least an hour and a half. I mean, they have like 200 slides to go through, which is insane. So I'm guessing they'll probably be on for even, even longer than the hour and a half. And then I believe around three o'clock is when the panel starts the discussion. And then around five or five thirty is when the panel takes the vote. But I believe that the FDA then has another 30, 60, 90 days to actually give their decision. So it's it's a big deal. I mean, if they don't get FDA approval in the next 60 days, you know, it's not the end of the story, you know, depending on what the decision is. Transmedics can obviously, I think they just have to run a new trial. I'm I'm not really sure. I mean, we'll We'll cross that bridge if we get to it. Hopefully, we don't have to. Hopefully, approval comes. If approval comes, uh, I mean, I think this is a fifty-five or sixty-dollar stock in the next 
month and a half. Okay, and 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 so so basically, let let me try. Let me ask you this: Is what you're you're watching for then, or, or like you know, you're 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 taking time out of your day to listen to this for a reason? Is it because you will have a sense as, as to what the FDA is going to come back with in like that 30, 60, 90 day period, or or what what exactly is on your radar for today? Yeah, I think usually. Um, whatever the panel says, the FDA is typically going to go with. So I think it's that it's the discussion after the FDA finishes their presentation. It's the discussion that's going to be very important, you know, basically Q&A. And then it's going to be the vote um, around 530 that I think will drive the price, you know, the stock over the next week or two. I mean, certainly tomorrow. Right. So yesterday the stock sold off about 13 or 14 percent, which was a little weird coming into the hearing. Okay. Um, I, I have some guesses as to why it sold off. I think it was probably some big funds shorting the stock and then buying the call options, but I don't know that for sure. Uh, you know, it's still a small cap stock, so it's easy to manipulate, um, you know, day to day. Um, so the stock did sell off coming into this. If they, if the, if the panel votes against approval, uh, like I said, it's not the end of the story. My guess is though, if that happens, the stock opens up maybe 15 to 20% lower tomorrow, which would obviously okay. be kind of brutal. If the yeah. panel votes yes at, you know, today, later today, I would expect the stock to be up at least 20 or 25% tomorrow. And like I said, I think the stock goes 60, 70% higher in the next month. Okay. That's interesting. And, and, and reopening, right. It, it sounds like it's going to be tomorrow morning. Pre-market is, is when we'll start seeing some action in this name again. Yeah, I mean, my guess is they don't, um, they won't unhalt the stock today, so it won't trade after hours. At least I wouldn't think so. You know, my okay. guess is they haven't halted for the entire day, which includes after hours, and then they open it up tomorrow morning, most likely. But I mean, you don't really know for sure. And then, you know, tomorrow, obviously, depending on what the volume is and which way it's moving, I mean, we could obviously see some halts in the middle of the day. But well, <laughs> so tomorrow should be interesting. I thought today, I didn't think they were going to halt the stock the entire day. I figured they would leave, you know, let the stock trade during the day and then halt it at the end of the day before the panel voted. But, you know, I guess they're just taking some precautions. So you don't see the sort of the same sort of manipulation today that we saw yesterday. Yeah, absolutely. All right. That, that, that one's interesting. Um, can, can, can I suggest the next one we, we talk about? Yeah. Go All for right. It. All right. So, 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 and, and you, you might not like me for this one, but part of the reason why, why I had producer Aaron re reaching out so much and, and bothering you a couple times a week was because after our call, I tried the Celsius drink. Okay. I, I went hunting, you know, they, 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 they didn't sell it at, at my gym or at my typical 7 Eleven, made it to the grocery store, found one, was, was pretty thoroughly impressed. Which, uh, which did you get? Do you remember? Uh, a cola one, I think. Okay. Yeah, that's pretty good. I mean, it, it sort of tastes like Diet Coke, right? Exactly. And I, I drink too much Diet Coke. I, I buy a lot of Diet Coke. I keep a 12 back in the car, actually, for convenience. But yeah, that's so, another discussion. So Celsius uh, is probably a, yeah. a healthier version of Diet Coke. So, so there we go. So, so uh, you know, I'm glad that, that you came on, told me about the company. So, so I, I had the chance to try it out, gave me something new to go after. Um, it, it, any different opinions or thoughts on, on this one, uh, from an investment standpoint? No, I mean, I, I think, 
So the stock sold off when they reported their Q4 earnings. Uh, they didn't blow out the number. You know, I think people were hoping that they would just based on the numbers that they saw in Q3. So if I remember, Q3 was somewhere around up 80% year over year. Q4 was somewhere around 54% year over year. So I think people were hoping for more than that. But I think the problem that was happening, and if you look through social media, especially Twitter, you can tell um, a lot of shelves were empty. There was demand for the product and there just was not enough supply. Shelves were going empty. And the main reason because, or the main reason that happened is because the, uh, Celsius had been doing DTR, which stands for direct to retailer, which means that when retailers, when stores run out of stock or they're starting to run out of stock, you know, they place an order, but then the, the shipment gets delivered from their, uh, their warehouse or their distribution center. So that distribution center is kind of acting as a middleman. But when the product shows up at the store, it's the employees that are responsible for, you know, stocking the shelves and making sure that those shelves are, are always stocked. The yep. company has already said that they're switching over to DSD, which stands for uh, uh, direct store delivery. So they now it's a base. A, okay, sorry, go ahead. Yeah. So they have 150 of these regional DSD partners who are going to be responsible for delivering Celsius product directly to the stores and keeping the shelves stocked and making sure that all the displays are set up correctly. And, you know, people will, you'll hear stories about like the Red Bull or the monster DSD go, guys go in there and they push, you know, all the competitors to the back and line up their products in the front. You know, it's pretty cutthroat. It's all about shelf space. So these DSD partners will make sure that those games are not happening and that these shelves are actually staying stocked and that the company can, or, or that, uh, you know, consumers can actually find the product when they need it. The other big thing that's happening is these branded coolers. So Celsius announced on the last earnings call that they have 14 of 1,400 of these branded coolers that have already been ordered and are starting to get deployed into, you know, some of the top retailer locations, as well as convenience stores, gas stations. And these branded coolers, obviously, you know, not only do they look nice and bring some attention to the product, but it also means that these the product is going to be um, cold all the time, right? So, you know, you you know, grabbing the whole grab and go concept, you don't want to grab a Celsius, a warm one off the shelf, you know, at the grocery store, you want a nice cold one. So yep. branded coolers does a lot of things, you know, it's, it's not just the branding, but it's the fact that you can grab a cold Celsius. Because if you're looking for something cold and Celsius is on the shelf and then Red Bull and Monster are in the cooler, of course, you'd go grab a Red Bull and Monster because you want something cold. Yep. So this this now kind of creates a, an even playing field for all of the big energy drinks. So so between, you know, you have 82,000 stores now set up to carry Celsius, 150 uh, DSD partners, 1,400 branded coolers. So that's the story. And I think I think people are realizing that Celsius it's not just a growth stock. It's also one of these reopening stocks because as more foot traffic comes into retailers, as more of these, you know, these retailers come online. Um, gyms too, are, I'd imagine, right? Gyms, gyms like, like a bank type model. Yep. And Celsius is still crushing it on Amazon. They're still like number two on Amazon for the entire energy drink category. They'd probably be number one if they weren't running out of supply. So, you know, the way that it works is Celsius basically sells to Amazon. Amazon sets the pricing, you know, this dynamic pricing that they do. So when you go to Amazon, you look for Celsius and the price is, you know, $3 more per case than it was a week ago. 
it means that Amazon's running out of supply so they can, you know, bump up the price because it's all about, you know, supply and demand for them. Okay. So, 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 so a couple of takeaways from that one, if you're really aggressive, uh, maybe, maybe apply to Celsius and get, get in there, battle for us, get, get, get them in front of the monster cases, take my refrigerator, I, put them in the back. So as of yesterday, uh, I actually have a call tomorrow, but is today or tomorrow to discuss it, but Celsius is actually going to be one of the sponsors for my stock contest. Okay, t- tell us about the stock contest. You can't tease us with that and not give us the well, details of how we oh, participate. Yeah, it's too late to get in now. I mean, so this okay. is like the this is the Q two stock contest. You know, we did Q one. We announced those winners over the weekend. Uh, ironically, the three people that won the, the Q one stock contest all picked GameStop as one of their stocks. <laughs> all right, there we go. Uh, Could have guessed that. The GameStop uh, saga never ends. So yep. all three people had GameStop. Um, so Q2, so the submissions had to be in by March 31st because obviously Q2 starts on April 1st. We wanted to start, you know, on the right date for everybody. So if you go to my, I'm trying to think where someone can find it. Oh, if you go to our website, fintwitstockcontest.com, you can, you can click on the leaderboard button and it'll take you to our Google Sheet with all 3,400 entries, and then all three of their stock picks. All right, and I, I'm going to make it easier for you guys. I'm putting it in the chat. I, I have it up now. You know what? We'll, we'll pull it onto the screen. Uh, you have the link in the chat down there. Oh, okay. Boom. Look at yeah, that. And if you go to, so if you see the tabs at the bottom and you click on most popular, you can actually see which stocks got picked, the, you know, were the most common picks. Uh, I believe Tiger was number one. Okay. So it's, it's it's some interesting kind of sentiment data. You know, what are the stocks that people are the most bullish on for the next three months? Um, We, we set some requirements like the stocks had to have a market cap over 50 million stocks. Couldn't be trading under $3 because we don't want everyone just to pick a bunch of penny stocks that really doesn't add any value for anybody. So like we want like legitimate companies that people are actually picking most likely companies that they actually own and follow. Yeah. So, so, so when I was in college, I competed in, in like, like TD Ameritrade had like a college program uh, for, for paper trading and, and they, they hadn't done it before. So they hadn't really thought it through. And so there were no rules, literally no rules. And, and so we all like in every university in the country just did, major YOLO option trading and like had, you know, 198,000% return or zero, right? (laughs) It was one or the other. And it's like, yeah, that that doesn't really make it a realistic game. Right. Right. So it's, so we try to cut a lot of that out. You know, there's no crypto, you can't short stocks, you can't use ETFs, you can't use any leverage products, no options. Cause a lot of that stuff, it's, it's just too hard for us to track. You know, we, we do it in Google Sheets because there's an actual Google Finance API that you can use to update all the prices. So, you know, we're, we're not trying to create, I mean, I'm not making any money on this. I'm actually putting money in. As, so we have $10,000 of prize money. Hell yeah, that's in. awesome. So I'm actually putting money in. I'm actually losing money on this. So I'm not looking to create any work for myself. Yep, no kidding. All right, so there it is, guys. Check it out. I'll, I'll put the link in the chat one more time. 
and Jonah, I, I don't know what, what what your timeline looks like. I know you're trying to listen to this panel. If, if you right. want to talk about another stock, let's do it. If, if you got to get back to the call, totally respect that. Uh, so if I could pick a stock, I mean, you know, Upstart's one that some people are familiar with. They're a, kind of an AI-powered underwriting company. That's that bigger UPST, guys. UPST. Somebody drop that in the chat to help your, your fellow chatters out. So this stock kind of saved my portfolio in Q2. Um, you know, I run a pretty aggressive growth portfolio, yep. mostly small cap. So most of those names pulled back from late February through mid-March. But in the, I think it's the second week of March, Upstart reported their Q4 numbers and raised their guidance on 2021 from about 360 million in revenue to 500 million in revenue to a massive bump on guidance. And then they also announced an acquisition of a company called Prodigy that's going to help them get into the auto loan lending business. So, you know, in terms of AI, I know a lot of companies like to throw around AI that they're applying it to, you know, this and that. But Upstart really, you know, they've been building their AI model for the last eight or nine years. And there's a lot of reasons to believe that it's it's a better way to do underwriting. It's faster, it's more effective, it's cheaper. Uh, non-biased and you're using 1600 data points on someone and their credit worthiness rather than just a stupid FICO score. So okay. this, this company went into, uh, the stock was at $56 when they went into their Q4 earnings and yep. the stock was up 3x over the next three Holy years. crap. Yeah, All right, guys. Did, yeah, so, so this chart goes back to, let's see, December 15th. Is this, uh, did it just start trading in December? Yep, that's the okay. IPO. Okay, so so an IPO December fifteenth. So, so you're looking at a couple months here. You can see the time in this chart that that Jonah's talking about. Holy <laughs> crap! I've never had. I don't think I've ever had a top three position in my portfolio go three x in three days. <laughs> it was just it was wild. And the thing, you know, I was taking some profits along the way. You know, usually when your stock's up hundred percent in a day, you know, you take some profits. You think it's going to pull back the next day. And then it's up like another 25% the next day. It was just insane. So huge run. A lot of, lot of people that owned Upstart. Because I, I did a write-up on Upstart back in December for my Substack newsletter when the stock was under $40. Yep. Okay. So a lot of people that were on my newsletter list were in Upstart. Now, some of them, you know, the stock basically went sideways for the first couple months of the year. It, it actually went actually ran up from 40 to 100 and then pulled back all the way to under 50. And that's when a lot of people just bailed. So a lot of people didn't see that 3X move. There we go. And but I'm still going to air horns. Yeah, that's I, I was I was doing some cartwheels. The, when, yeah. when they announced. I mean, I think, you know, they, when they raised guidance, I figured the, the stock would be up nice the next day. But I never imagined 3X in three days. Yeah. Um, so that's and, another one. Uh, yeah, wait, just just a couple of questions on this one. So, so I mean, if they they have a a, a big IPO, it's a multi billion dollar company. I'm assuming that revenue is substantial. Is yeah. is the biggest uh like like basically headway that they have for revenue growth? Just getting some of these old school businesses and industries to say, hey, we're going to try something that's not the same way we've been doing it for decades. Yeah, what, that's definitely part of it. Um, you know, they have the data now to prove that their model is is way better than okay. Anything that banks would build themselves, you know, which is literally just based off of, of FICO scores. So using Upstart's technology, banks are able to issue twice as many loans without seeing any increase on the default rate. So you're essentially doubling the revenue of the bank 
you know, without taking on any more risk. So that's that data alone. I think what they're, I think the sweet spot for them is going to be a lot of these smaller regional banks um, that don't have the, just the resources to build anything this powerful. You know, the Bank of America is those big banks might, but you know, yep. there's thousands and thousands of these community banks and smaller regional banks. And that seems to be who Upstart is partnering with. The other thing is, you know, their, their model is, is looking at the credit worthiness of an individual. So wherever any other credit verticals that, that use that same sort of data would also be potential verticals that Upstart can get into, which is why they're getting into auto loans now. And then at some point, they will most likely get into either mortgages or home equity loans, uh, small business loans, because if anyone's ever taken out an SBA loan, you know, it's based on the credit worthiness of the owner of the business. So small business loans backed by SBA could be a big market for them as well. Absolutely. Yeah. And, and I love the, I mean, my favorite line that, that you just said was that they help the banks make more money because yep. if, if they can do that, the banks aren't going to stop paying for it. I mean, it's going to be the lowest churn ever, right? They're not going right. to stop paying for something that is made, driving them revenue. So, all right, that's super interesting. Um, and then another one. So my most recent write-up, uh, I won't get into too much detail on this one, but I did write about this last week in my Substack. a company called Clearpoint Neuro. So it's still it's still a small cap company, market caps under 450 million. Um, I actually learned about this company about a month and a half ago when a couple neurosurgeons actually DM me on Twitter and wow, told me about okay. what they're doing. So clear, you know, so my father had a brain aneurysm 20 years ago and he needed, you know, brain surgery. Uh, it's like a 10 hour surgery. Wow. And it just it's just it's everything they do is so inefficient because you know you have to keep um, taking all these MRI scans during the surgery and moving people back and forth. And what Clearpoint Neuro has done is created a real-time MRI imaging system, uh, which is going to be great for um, minimally invasive brain surgery, uh, DBS, which is deep brain stimulation, uh, which they're using for Parkinson's. Um, and then the third thing, which is really the big moneymaker down the road, is going to be drug delivery. So all of these, you know, genomics and pharma biotech companies that are creating drugs that are in trial right now for different types of neurological diseases that have to be delivered to the brain, to very specific parts of the brain, Clearpoint Neuro is going to be the required delivery system for those drugs. Uh, and there's, I believe there's over a hundred drugs right now that are in trial that are all going to use Clearpoint. So as some of them come to market, you know, these these centers, these surgical centers are going to be forced to go out and purchase Clearpoint if they want to be in that business. So, so those are a few stocks I'm still pretty bullish on. Boom. I love it. You, you, you came on on a crazy day for you, right? You canceled <laughs> everything except for us because producer Aaron bugged you so much, which again was my, my bequest. Uh, I had one other update today that I wanted to give you from our last discussion, but but the last thing I asked you when, when, when you graced us last time was how, how many times you can bench 225. Yep. Uh, you know, I, I think your answer was like 25 or 30. I gave it a try at night. I, I got the four. Okay. So I got hey. the four. You keep coming back. You know, I maybe I'll be up to 18, you know, a couple weeks what's, from now. What's your goal? Uh, so so I, I, I tore a pack in college. Okay. Yeah, and I, and, and I actually competed in powerlifting in college. Um, and, and I tore a pack my sophomore year and, and my bench was, was right around 300 at that time. So 
I want if I can work back up to a PR, even though it's years later, but but with a torn pack, I'm I'm all about it. So that's the goal. Yeah, I stop at 275. So I what I do is I literally start at 135. I do 10 reps, you know, put a 10 yep. on each side, another 10 okay. reps, another 10. Because I just go up slowly. I, I want to warm up my muscles so I don't, you know, I don't want to start too heavy and end up overloading my body and tearing something or you know doing some damage to my joints because they're not warmed up. So you know I'm 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 past the days of trying to max out or impress anybody at the gym. I'm just trying to maintain what I have. So yeah, yeah, I uh, yeah, I wish I'd warmed up on that day when I <laughs> I ripped a pack all the way off. I've uh, seen a few YouTube videos of someone like pop, you know, literally tearing their pack in the middle of a of a you know chest workout, and you can just you can like hear the snap, like it's it's not a very nice sound. <laughs> yeah, no, it was, it was dumbbell bench, right? Because dumbbell bench, you can get so deep. Right, right. right? Dumbbell. Whoa, okay, it's gone. Yeah, so, yeah. I, 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 I don't do I don't do dumbbells for that reason anymore because you can really, yeah, you can really stretch it out too far. So if you stick with chest, you're sort of limited as to how far you can come down. Yep. Awesome, man. Jonah, thanks so much for coming on. You want thanks one more stock? Time. Do you have time for one more stock? We'll let you go as long as you want. Okay. I was just trying to be respectful to your time. So um, I mentioned, so I posted about an hour ago on Twitter that I'm doing a podcast next Monday. Actually, I didn't announce the date, but it's going to be next Monday. Oh, uh, that's an exclusive. You didn't know the date. All right, keep going. Yep, it's exclusive. Um, so uh, the Chit Chat Money podcast is going to have me, Asher Delude, who's a former or who's a founder of Mohawk, and Sean David, who runs uh, Avery and Company, and they're one of the biggest institutional shareholders of Mohawk. So the three of us are going to go on to the podcast, and we're going to talk about Mohawk for about sixty to ninety minutes, and why we're, you know, really bullish on the company. You know what their their EMI system actually does. AI. Are you talking to your MHK? Yeah, uh, M M W K. Oh, M W K. Thank you, M W K. There it is. So stock stock got up to about 48 a couple months ago, pulled back. You know, it's, it's now under 30. They just had a special meeting last week to issue some new shares to close some deals uh, and then give the company some extra shares if they want to go out and keep doing more M&A. So we're going to spend, you know, an hour next Monday talking about the company and, and why we're so bullish. I think the stock has a shot to get to 100 by the end of next year, you know, just based on... Uh, you know, revenue expectations, some M&A deals that are in the pipeline. So the company already guided this year to 360 million in revenue, which is a hundred percent increase over last year. The stock's trading at less than three times sales and they have $500 million of potential deals in the pipeline, most of which should be accretive. So what they do is they use their, their Amy system, their AI powered system to identify for two main things, to identify trends, and uh, market opportunities on Amazon where demand is not being met um, either by products that, you know, typically by inferior products, products with lower views, high okay. return rates. And that's where Amazon, that's where Mohawk will work with their supply chain partners in Asia to, you know, quickly develop a higher quality product for that category. So so and Mohawk is actually selling that they're not selling the software to help other brands do this. They're using their software to actually sell the products. Is that right? So they, they do say that their software is, you know, for sale um, for other companies. I just don't think it's a big part of the story. 
Okay. You know, I think it's, it's, it's mainly for proprietary use only. I don't really know how many companies are actually using it. I haven't, I haven't seen any hard numbers, but I do think it gives them a competitive advantage for now. So I'd almost rather they just keep it as a proprietary product as they grow. You know, I don't, I don't, I just don't think it's worth, you know, essentially renting out Amy to anybody that wants it. You know, um, the, the big company that they're going to be competing against at some point is a company called Thrasio. Uh, so Thrasio just raised, uh, I forget how much money they just raised, but they just raised money at a, at about six times sales valuation. And like I said, Mohawk's trading at about uh, under three times sales. So I do think that we're going to see that Thrasio IPO in the next 12 months, which will make Mohawk look even cheaper. But Mohawk is using Amy for those two things. So they're using it to identify opportunities on Amazon to launch their own products into a category. They're also using Amy to identify other e-commerce brands that they might want to acquire. So they're going after smaller e-commerce brands that already have a strong presence on Amazon with not, not a lot of SKUs, but at least strong SKUs with strong ratings and reviews. And then they're typically buying those companies for three to four times EBIT. And then they're chopping off as many of the fixed expenses as they can, you know, getting rid of people, getting rid of excess marketing, getting rid of office space, like all of the crap they don't need because there's just overlap. And then a lot of those, a lot of those revenues are dropping down to the bottom line. So those deals are becoming very accretive over time. Awesome. And, and so, so let me just, just try to, to summarize, and understand the, the company. So, so basically they, they, they use, the, the data analytics platform that they have to identify basically gaps in products which exist on Amazon or are getting progressively more popular. They, they then have the system set up to, to go ahead and build, manufacture, somehow be able to sell these products. And, and that's how they win and they drive revenue. Correct. Yep. Okay. That's, that's a super interesting model. Yeah. It's, it's, it's basically, it's an AI powered CPG company. You know, that's, yeah, kind that's of pretty sweet. Um, and so, so half of the story is launching their own products and growing them organically. And then the other half of the story is doing these accretive M&A deals. Okay. And All if right, they I do, like you know, if they do, like I said, if they do 360 million this year, which is guidance, about 31 million in EBITDA, which is on, which is guidance. Um, you know, the stock's trading at 30 times EBIT or EBITDA with hundred percent year over year growth. So, now, I think valuation is really, really fair right now. And if someone's looking to be involved in e-commerce in the small cap arena, I just think this is a nice ancillary way to play it. Awesome. And, and I, I like that IPO story too. I, I, I've got a stock that I'm holding into solely for that Coinbase IPO. I, I would have probably dumped it before now, but we've got that coming up in a couple of weeks. So I Voyager? love those. What did you say? You're talking Voyager? You know that stock? Uh, it's It's... Yeah, I mean, I, I do follow it a little bit, and I've had a lot of pe people DM me over the last week or two about the stock. And that's part of, you know, that's one of the potential catalysts is once we see the $100 billion Coinbase IPO, you know, it's going to make Voyager look cheap. Dude, all right, all right. Send them my way. I'm like the analyst of record in this stock. But there's not really any analyst coverage. So, so right. I go through all the numbers and try to basically back into to revenue forecasts. But they, they just put out a press release this morning, which I didn't even talk about yet. Um, but but basically, they, they beat my expectation for new funded accounts. You've got that going for it. Plus, plus you have uh, uh, that Coinbase IPO. So, yes, you nailed it. I'm surprised. Exactly. Nobody knows the stock. So is Voyager just a smaller version of Coinbase for basically, you know, di digital assets, crypto trading? 
Okay, so more or less. So, so, so there, there's a couple ways where it's distinctly different, and now, now you're going to see me nerd out for a second. Um, right. But, but basically, rather than it being a crypto exchange, it's a crypto brokerage. So they connect to over a dozen exchanges. Their competitive advantage is that then they can fill transactions at whatever the cheapest price is across exchanges, right? So you might see Bitcoin quoted at fifty nine thousand on one place, fifty nine thousand one hundred at another place. That they, they they give their customers that that best price, sort sort of like a, a stock broker now, like they're sort of futuristic on that front. Uh, and the way that they make money is, is they they will quote you a price if they can fill your order uh, uh, for cheaper than what they presented. They take part of that revenue. So 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 a lot of a lot of the issues with like people bitch about like a Coinbase is they say it's really expensive to trade on Coinbase. Right. They're they're commission free. If they quote you fifty nine thousand, they fill it for fifty eight nine hundred. They're going to take fifty dollars out of that transaction. So, so you never are giving up that sort of fee, et cetera. They also pay uh, interest on on fifty coins, um, which is more than any other one place pays interest on. So 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 it's got a lot of really good things going for it. And, and we're talking about a stock that had revenue of three and a half million dollars in Q four. And, and my estimate was that they were going to put up fifty five million in Q one. Based on the numbers today, I haven't like like re updated the model yet. But based on the numbers today, I mean they're they're, they're probably going to be sixty five million or so in Q one, sixty sixty five. So, so it's a really compelling. I don't really follow Coinbase just because I know the valuation on the IPO is going to be so big. It's going to be way you know way out of my kind of focus. Yes, caps and mid caps. But what is Coinbase going to come public at? Like, do you have any idea what their revenue run rate is? Uh, uh so 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 they're gonna they're it's it's. The the rumor right now is that that Coinbase is going to come out at sixty to a hundred times revenue. Jesus, I okay. do. So okay, so so this stock, right? This Voyager, right? My my average price in the thing is fifty two cents. So so like I have no reason that I need to hold it. Okay, but 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 when I've got Coinbase in two weeks coming out at at sixty to a hundred times revenue, and, and then we've got this stock that we're running from three and a half million to sixty million in one quarter, uh, and and they're trading at 10, 10, 12 times sales. I'm going to hold on to this all day. Wow. So, so, yeah. so that, that's basically my thesis for staying in the stock. Right. So I, I like, I do like those, those sets of those valuation catalysts. You know, that's one reason I like Mohawk when we see the Thrasio. And if Thrasio just raised money in the private markets at six times sales, right, there's a good chance when they come public, they're going to, you know, they'll get even a higher valuation or a, a higher sure, multiple. You get liquidity bump. Absolutely. Um, you know, another one that I'm looking at is when Robinhood IPO comes down or we see the S1 with all the numbers, that's going to make stocks like Futu and Tiger uh, look look much cheaper. So, And, and then we, we have uh, eToro as well. Right, right. Who's, that, that's a SPAC deal. It's a pre-merger SPAC. I don't remember the ticker off the top of my head. Yeah. Um, I, but I, but uh, I saw a $10 billion valuation, I think, and I kind of got scared off. But yeah. The, the, the thing that, that they have going for them is that they, they do crypto and stocks, right? Not in the U.S., but globally. Right. And, and so they're, they're one of few solutions for that, right? I can't go in my interactive broker's account right now and, and buy Bitcoin. Um, you know, <laughs> and, and, uh, in the US? Like, and then, yes, yeah, so, so, so they have Forex and crypto in the U.S. Okay. Stocks are, we don't have a timeline on stocks. They, they said it is, but, but it's sort of out of their hands, right? It's the U.S. is a... A, a nightmare regulatorily oh, yeah. um so so you know they, they've got to get that approved but yes oh, that, so that's so sort of the big thing i mean they're going to come to the u.s and they're going to compete with you know 10 12 15 very established companies and i don't know what their edge is maybe just the edge is the fact that they can do stocks and crypto and and some places don't i use interactive brokers as well and i'm pretty sure crypto is not on there yet yep 
Yeah, uh, uh, their their big selling point, and I don't know if they're going to be able to do this for stocks in the U.S. I think that's yet to be determined. But their big selling point uh, out in Europe is, is the social aspect that they've got like a ton of social sharing. You can follow other people's portfolios, etc. Okay. Cool. So, okay, I'm going to get back to this FDA presentation. All right, sir. Thank you so much for hopping on. I appreciate us being the one thing on, on your radar. Uh, and guys, I, I'm going to drop the link to Jonah's Twitter in the chat here. You've you got, got everything. Look, look at his description. There, there's a ton of links in there. Great content. Make sure you follow along and, and hang out with him. Thanks, guys. Appreciate it. Talk to you soon. All righty. Talk soon. Okay, everybody. Next thing's next. Wow. T- time flies when you're having fun and talking about Voyager Digital. Uh, I saw somebody in the chat drop in. Here comes Luke's daily uh, Voyager Digital rant. Okay. Yes, that is something that happens. Um, but 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 we're, we're we're running behind behind the uh, uh, schedule now. So 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 let's get rolling. Let, let's let's keep it clipping, guys. Uh, we we've got our next guest hanging out in the background for us. I think Mr. Jason Raznick might be making a guest appearance at some point today too. Um, but all right, guys, let, let's go ahead, roll the video, bring our next guest on. I need some water after pitching that stock. And, and we'll keep clipping. Mike, what's up, man? Welcome to the Power Hour. How are you doing, sir? I'm doing well. How are you? Doing well, doing well. Anything especially exciting in your world? You've got a great background there. We got the bowl. Oh, we got the bookcase. You got everything going on. Yeah, now that's special. That's my standard background now. Okay, I like it. And Jason Rasnick joining us as well. What's up? We got Mike here. Luke, are you heading out to yep. your? I, I'm, I'm, yep. I'm going to go build on the business a little bit. Stay Luke. in touch, guys. Happy trading. Luke, they never put the charts behind you like they said they were going to. What happened to Rohan? I don't know. Well, well if it oh, makes why are they feel zoom- better. That's coming right, tomorrow, did, Jason. Yeah. Why, why are they zooming in on you? I have to move that off. Okay. Um, all right. Luke, get out of here. I'll talk to Mike. I'll see you when I see you. All right. Peace out, guys. Happy peace trading. Out. All right, Mike. Where where do I find you today? San Francisco. Oh, how do you like it out there these days? Man, a little foggy, a little dirty, but not too bad overall. <laughs> yeah, I hear, I hear it. Even working from home? Yeah, primarily. You know, I think everybody is out here. It's one of the few places I think that's dedicated itself to trying to not go back to the office. So uh, got we'll, it. See, yeah. we'll see what happens. Got it. Got it. So what are you up to? So what, what's what's new in your world? And then that's so, yeah. So look, we're um, I think today we're going to talk about Learns L R N Z, which is our AI deep learning and tech ETF. Yes. Which it's been, uh, let's say, of interest in the past twelve to fifteen months here. Uh, so you know we did want to talk about uh, sort of what's going on with the rotation from growth stocks to value stocks and why that could be uh you know a buying opportunity in tech yeah but for this so this learns lrnz can you aaron can you put that in the can you put it on the on the screen so we can first show it up on here and you guys know these true mark investments you guys can google it see you know see what you want to hear about it but they they have etfs cloud migration software as a service cybersecurity, artificial intelligence and you know all all of this different stuff so Cluster demand is crazy with work from home right now. Crazy with work from home. So 
How does that affect your thinking when you're building this ETF, when you're trading the ETF? How does that change things? Like how do, how do, like how do you guys look at this on a daily basis with, with this work from home trend? Yeah, look, so we take a, 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 a very broad view of it, right? We believe tech has a winner take all for, a winner take all result. Uh, so even when you work, look at work from home, these are trends that accelerated long before lockdown, long before the pandemic. They came into the spotlight because of the pandemic, and certainly they've accelerated through the pandemic. But the idea that they're going away anytime soon is ridiculous in our minds. And, uh, you know, you see some of the valuations getting squeezed during this rotation. But the way we approach it is we look for companies that utilize artificial intelligence as a competitive advantage. Now, these companies are going to be in hyper growth areas, and these hyper growth areas tend to be new tech segments. So when you look at you know, SaaS, when you look at cloud migration, you look at um, how AI is being used in biotech these days, these are all new approaches uh, to fairly new problems, or at least issues that are, that are increasing in, in importance. So you know, when you look at that, you've got to identify which one or two or three of these companies is going to be the, the lead in that tech segment, and then eventually which one of these companies is going to be the, the category killer, and which, kind of, which company is going to end up being that household name. You know, in the in essence, because we run a pretty concentrated portfolio, we're active investors. I know this sounds goofy ten years later, but look, you know, twenty years ago, one of these companies is a Fang stock, right? I mean, when you talk about the Fang stocks, where they were uh, back in the first, you know, dot com, they eventually become household names, category killers. They eventually, you know, carry the carry the market for ten years running uh, in terms of you know where most of the growth has come from. So our job is to go try and find those in new tech segments and try and own who's going to be potentially that category killer and, and, and eventually become that household name. You're on, I think you're on mute there, Jason. I can't hear you. I was trick. I was tricking you just to make sure I was trying to see how good you're at reading lips. Um, <laughs> but how do you discern when you're looking at these investments to add to LRNZ, if you guys don't have it up, LRNZ, uh, L's and Lisa, R's and Raz, and is a Nancy Z's and Zebra. Um, how do you guys discern, like, is it buying the Twilio or is it buying um, CloudStrike? Like, how do you guys look at allocations? And you talked about, you know, buying the dip in the, in the future, what, what could hold. How do you guys, like, discern, like, how do you guys put their portfolio allocation? I know Kathy would explain a little bit to me her process for it. What is your process for it? Well, we're a little more concentrated than Kathy's funds, right? So we're one in, one out, right? So you'll start with uh, an allocation. We, when the portfolio launched, there were equal allocations, okay? And we'll let them ebb and flow. But if we like an idea, we're getting rid of an idea. Uh, so we generally run sort of 20 to 23 names in this portfolio. And we have to like it enough to replace one that, you know, has lost its its luster in our eyes. But what we're trying to do here is if we come in with an equal weighting, they're going to stretch out and run. You know, the winners are going to run, and our job is to identify those winners as they separate, consolidate into them by getting rid of the losers in that category. Uh, so say we start out with two or three. Take, um, you know, CrowdStrike and Zscaler, for example, right? CrowdStrike and Zscaler, same business. Uh, they come at it from two different angles. One's core and one's perimeter in terms of cybersecurity. And eventually, you would imagine one of those to become the category killer. They may both. I mean, they're starting to integrate their, their product now. 
uh, for ease of use amongst customers. Uh, but you know, we own both. And if one starts to separate from the other and the other, you know, we, we see there's a decided category winner, we'll unload the loser or the loser is going to get bought out or absorbed or whatever it may happen. And, and we'll consolidate into that winner for that segment. Uh, so you know, across segments, you know, that can happen multiple times. Are you spending time talking to, you know, company management doing like listening to roadshows, a lot of that. I know that's in the mutual fund space. There are a lot of times listening to company management. Are you guys doing a lot of that or how does that, how does that go about? Well, a little different than the mutual fund space in that sense. You know, we start tracking these companies pre IPO and you know, our, our PM on this fund realistically starts to watch these in their B and C round of funding. Uh, so we're keeping an eye on these and there's a lot of, because you start watching these pre IPO, it's a bit less about uh, conversations with management. It's a bit more about qualitative assessment. You know, what's their customer adoption? What's that ecosystem building up around the technology? Because with tech, I mean, once that ecosystem builds up within a company around a certain technology they've chosen, the switching cost is really prohibitive. And so identifying who's gaining that popularity, who's gaining that momentum pre-IPO, understanding that qualitative assessment through IPO to the point where you're, yeah, you're watching obviously their quarterly numbers and understanding where their projections and growth numbers are, uh, then it becomes a big deal. But we start way back before they go public. So a lot of our holdings will get into them not long uh, after their IPO. Got it. Okay. That's, so you're in, for, you're in for the long haul then. Yeah, unless something gives. I mean, for us, you know, when you look at the hyper growth phases of a tech stock, you know, this is a natural uh, uh, chasm for us. You know, what's happening right now? It's, I know we've all been accustomed to watching the market for 10 years going, hey, everything just keeps going up, but it doesn't. It takes a break on the growth cycle. And, you know, for us, when you see a hyper growth cycle, you'll see these chasms. It's like a slinky effect. Valuations might get stretched. It could be a market environment that causes people to rotate out, uh, but they'll continue with their accelerated earnings and their beats and their projections. And through that, you know, they, they'll catch up to their valuation. Valuation extends again. So it's important to identify when those those pauses in the growth cycle occur and whether or not they are a permanent thing or a temporary thing. And, and so we'll we'll watch it from that perspective and take advantage of what we see as a temporary pause in the market's acceptance of the growth cycle. The numbers never change. People just, yeah, you know, they stop. They, they look at the valuation and give it priority over the numbers or whatever. And, and we have to identify that as, a, as an opportunity to consolidate. Got it. Got it. Um, so one of the things that the work from home phase with the vaccine coming out, it, people are getting back to the office a little more. How do you think that'll play a role, um, Mike, in, in these stocks that you own for uh, the ETF LRNZ? Yeah, I don't think it touches them. Uh, you know, I, and, and maybe we're taking a pretty pragmatic viewpoint of that. But you know, here in San Francisco, you know, one of the biggest employers in town is Salesforce. And Salesforce already announced that 65% of the workforce is never coming back to the office. Uh, so, you know, what does come back to the office really mean anymore? And even in our business, you know, when you look at uh, what's happening in the ETF world and, and distribution of ETFs, you know, so much of this has become on demand and digital rather than old school T&E boots on the ground. Uh, so, you know, I think the demand for these services only increases. The work from home trade, as they started to call it in the pandemic, was never a trade at all. It was a trend. And, you know, that again, that trend started long before the pandemic. It's going to be here long after the pandemic. P 
people like to research their stocks now 24 seven. They like to see things. Uh, they like to you know, look at a, a, a content piece at 10 o'clock on a Friday night, not, you know, not a webinar at one fifteen in the afternoon on a, on a Wednesday anymore. Uh, so there's a bit, there's a combination of both across all industries. Mission critical folks will come back to the office. And here's what happens. Mission critical folks come back to the office. Others don't. That actually increases the need for some of these work from home technologies, because now you've got sensitive information. You've got different coordination happening between people on site and people off site. And so we see it accelerating. You know, we, we do. We, and I think as we get through the next few earnings reports, people are going to recognize that as well. I mean, regardless of what the pandemic's doing, what the vaccines are doing, there's going to be still a, a high demand and evolving demand for you know, different technologies that are used uh, in the digital migration. I'm, I'm reading lips again, Jason. Yep, they're reading lips, Rohan. Uh, see? Right, you're back. You're back. I'm, I'm back. Well, they I'm gave getting better at it, though. I think I'm getting better at they, it. Well, they gave me a new mic, so that's why I said, "Look, I got a whole equipment thing here. They got to be like this whole arm thing. It's that like a whole a, yeah. It's, it's a that is a giant mic. That's oh, it's good. a giant mic. My mic should be like the best mic in the world right now. It's Joe Rogan times 10x. But Mike, I want to just take us back. I don't know how much time you have, but I want to take back for like a couple, like a minute or two about how you guys came about to start this ETF or, you know, with Truemark. Like how, like how long did it take you guys to start it? What you're doing, this ETF is like the, the oh, everyone's going crazy. My sound is way better. In the chat, they're going crazy. See, um, so that's good. That's a good thing. So, how did how did how to happen? How does Mike start this ETF and make such a sweet ETF? Because you get it's like my kind of stocks. I like the thing behind the thing, the things that power other things, and that's what yeah. this ETF does. And so, how long did it take you to start it? And just a little bit, take us back when you were in that room thinking about starting an ETF. Tell us, um, tell us more. Tell us more. Yeah, well, fundamentally, it started with the idea that we believe in active management. We believe in active management concentrated where available. And so the first step is identify places where active concentrated management makes sense, where it's fertile ground. And, you know, tech happens to be one of those places. Uh, the second step is turn it over to the smart guys. You know, so we've got a basket of ETFs. We have a, a ESG ETF, a, a AI ETF. We have a structured outcome, which is like a buffered you know, S&P exposure. Uh, so we've got we've got ETFs across the board. We have a, a dividend in, uh, equity income, uh, low vol equity income ETF now, DIVZ. So for me, it's a matter of identifying where active concentrated management uh, is encountering fertile ground. And then it's identifying someone that is industry specific and really credible in that industry to run that fund. And with Learns, you know, we've got Sam Kim of Black Hill uh, Capital out here in San Francisco. We think he's a tremendous manager and well-connected, uh, not only from a hands-on standpoint, but from you know a, a private equity standpoint, who can identify these companies coming down the pipeline and understand from a practical sense which ones are going to make it in reality. Uh, so it's identify the, the space or the segment, identify someone that is credible from an investment and an industry background uh, that can effectively run that strategy within that space. And then get it out there into you know what we hope is is the tailwind of market demand in that space. So for something like Learns, you know we checked all three of those boxes. You know we've got a great manager on it. We think it's a it's a space that was ripe for active concentrated management. Uh, certainly proven out for someone like you know Kathy Wood over the years. Um, but 
you know, we're not story stock investors. And that's a little bit different. So we are definitely investing in accelerating fundamentals, what we think are secular growth stocks within story themes, you know, within story sectors or story segments. But, you know, as you mentioned, we're looking for those those companies that have that uh, competitive advantage that's going to play out over time very consistently as they grow. And so for us, those are secular growth stories that survive any rotation, any economic impact. Uh, but it, it really starts with identifying that segment, identifying someone that has got the, the chops to run the strategy in that segment, and then sticking with your, your strategy and your mission with that fund. Got it. Got it. And so have you been before do before? I mean, you've been in the investment space for how many years, I guess? How many yeah, years? 20, 25 ish. Okay. So before this era that we're in, mm-hmm. what were you doing in the dot com era? Like what were you what was it like for you in the two thousands? That's what I would like I, to know. I, I'll tell you, in, in the dot com era, ninety in ninety eight, I was doing institutional equity sales for CIBC Oppenheimer out of Boston at the time, right? And Blodgett was, uh, he was the tech analyst for Oppenheimer at the time. So I was on the research call where he put that, you know, the, the, the $400 target on Amazon. Amazon. Yeah. And we all fell off our chairs and looked at each other and said, it's on. Like, so this is, this is going to get wild. And so, you know, I was in the heart of it for that, from that standpoint. And then in 99 came out the Silicon Valley. So, you know, I watched it firsthand. I mean, I was I was in the middle of it, uh, working out of Palo Alto with an investment firm, and um, I was there at the height. Which one? I, Which one? It was a. It was a. We started a a call writing mutual fund called Kelmore Investments. Okay. Uh, raised a few billion back in '99, and with call writing, sometimes it doesn't work out when the market does certain things. So, that that gig was was kind of over by '06, but we watched the rise and fall. Right, we saw all the, the, the companies with zip, the story stocks with zero earnings, um, nothing but an idea and a plan go ballistic. And then I was also there, you know, to listen to the IRS running ads on the radio at the time, you know, get trying to get people to come in and, and negotiate their tax bills down because they had all had exercised their stock options company, you know, held on to the stock, didn't liquidate anything to pay the tax bill that would come at the end of the year and figured they would, you know, just keep riding the stocks up stocks, plummeted, they collapsed, and everybody still had a tax bill on a stock that was worthless. So, you know, I've seen it all in, in the, tech, the tech space in the past 20 plus years, uh, as has Sam Kim, who manages the fund. You know, Sam's been, he was, he's an MIT, uh, you know, master's double engineering degree from BU, who worked in the, in, you know, the defense space for some time on, on different systems. Uh, but, was in the investment side of things uh, running up for the last 20 plus years. So we've all seen, you know, different iterations of this. And that's not to say, I think, you know, .com one is going to happen. But it is to say that, you know, we, we, those that have lived through that, we tend to err towards stories that have some fundamentals behind them, some, some accelerating earnings and not just a great story. Um, the combination of the two is fantastic. Don't get me wrong, but uh, you know, we, if we had to choose between the two, we're we're a little bit longer term than just a story stock. We like to look at the accelerating fundamentals. Yeah. No. Yeah. I. No. I. I, well, I, uh, echo, well, I there. echo there. Okay. okay. I don't know why I'm echoing, but I am. Do you hear me echoing? It doesn't echo on my side. All right. Then beautiful. So now it's good. So uh, I hear you. I mean, just from 
inquiries into buying our company, Benzinga. Now we have real revenue, real earnings, but it's just like the money seems like it's flowing in a big way in the markets right now. And I yeah. know you've been in this space and I was in the space in maybe a couple of years after you, but I, uh, 2000, I learned my lesson when I was buying those dot coms and they would go up and go up. And there's a company called rare medium. The symbol is R R R R four R's. I don't know. Do you yeah. remember that one? Uh, vaguely. I okay. know the name. You, uh, you should. Yeah. You shouldn't really remember it, but it was like one of these like digital web design companies. One of my friends is at it. I bought it at 48, went to 78, bought another hundred shares. So I was in co- just finishing college. It's kind of expensive. It went down to zero. All right. <laughs> but the but the but the moral of the story, the moral of the story is if I would have just held all, all those stocks and never sold any of those stocks way back when, that account that was fifty thousand that went down to like uh, zero or four thousand, if I would just held the last stock that I sold, which I'll tell you in one second, was Amazon. Sold it at ten dollars, so it was seven eighty with commit, you know, two dollar commissions per share at the time. Um, that would have been worth that four thousand would be worth one point eight million, so or two point four yeah. million. So in essence, like they say, I guess hold forever. <laughs> well, I, I, I mean, I tell you, so it, uh, one of my favorite stories was back. I think it was like oh, that have been oh two, no, somewhere in there. Yeah, it's like oh two. I think maybe a little later than that. Um, Apple was twenty bucks. You know, there was no iPhone. There was no, nothing was there. 20 bucks split adjusted. I was in it at 10 and, and you know, and whittled it down along the way. But the reality is you're right. I mean, if, if, if but don't, you know, don't kick yourself because no, I, don't I, think any, I don't think I ever thought selling books online was going to become what Amazon is today. So, you know. Well, yeah. I mean, I kicked myself because I had an online textbook thing and I wanted to be the next Amazon, but, and I didn't sell the borders way back on. Anyway, it's all, it's all good. But yeah, Apple. I bought when that iMac came out. When the iMac came out, that translucent computer, I bought it. And I didn't buy more shares as the iPod came out. So I had a small amount. I still have. But yeah, I guess you can't cure yourself. But so this ETF, are you guys going to launch like a space ETF? That's a quite like I'm, I'm got, I have like seven questions, but we'll just ask one or two. Do you, yeah. um, do you guys are going to do like a space ETF too? Or is this not up no, your alley? And I, I don't see it. I mean, more power to them on the space ETF. But you know, it's a lot like when when the first blockchain ETFs came out, and I'm looking at it and go, well, it, it it's not blockchain; it's just people that might benefit from blockchain. Okay. Um, so, I mean, space. In you know, I've I've read sort of the justifications on on some of the space ETFs and and the names in them, and I can get there. I mean, I can get there on that logic, but it, you know, that's not our expertise. It's if it becomes an area, and it, look, we we want to be able to jump, especially with learns, right? We jump across. Uh, across segments, and you know, we've got biotech in that fund. We've got you know cybersecurity in that fund. So, in today's you know sort of relative jargon, it's almost a generalist, uh, you know, like an AI generalist. Yep. So, if names start to make sense in that in that portfolio that are benefiting from space revenue, and and we see a hyper growth cycle there, we'll look at it. I don't know if we're going to launch an ETF just to to focus on it. I don't know if there's enough there to do that, um, you know, the way we run money. So, you know, it has to be, again, that's box number two, right? It has to be a segment that's robust enough that we can put together a concentrated active portfolio that makes sense, um, you know, because we're not going to go out there and and do some sort of a, a passive-like, you know, index in one of these segments. It's just not how we function. Um, so never say never, but 
you know, I think space revenue from space companies, it's, it's probably going to broaden out a bit more for us to, to really look at it. And, and in the short term, with something that uses AI and has a distinct advantage out there, end up and learns, it could. Um, but the reality is that we're not going to focus an entire fund on it anytime soon, I don't think. Okay. Um, so, and you have a great manager running this fund. You guys, if you don't know Learns, uh, look it up. Go into Benzinga Pro, look it up. Buy it on your brokerage account, E-Trade, Ameritrade. Take a look at it. LRNZ. It's something you don't want to watch daily. They have a good manager on it. And this is what Mike does since 1998. So he's, he's, on, he's on the line for it. And he's at work in San Francisco. He's not in Puerto Rico like one of us was last week, which is me. They uh, <laughs> uh, they thought I got fired from Benzinga for the week. I, I usually, when I'm on vacation, I usually go on the show, but this time yeah. I didn't. I don't know. Were you scouting for a tax break down there? What were you doing, vacationing? <laughs> Both, mister. Both. <laughs> I, I, I have a call at 245 to hopefully finalize something. Um, right. I was supposed right. to go there. I was supposed to go there in August last year, and then I did not. And whatever, and I went. Do you have some friends in Dorado or whatever? Do you have friends out there? Uh, I, I know quite a few managers that have relocated. Uh, I went to, benefits. I went to Peter Schiff's house on Sunday right before I left for the airport, and yeah. seeing that lifestyle, we, we can talk later. I, I, right. I, I've done all the research and more because you know I've married, have three kids. Not as easy as just you know, but uh, yeah, that's, that's yeah, I know. It's, well, you know what they say, stay single and hear it jingle, you know, the, the, <laughs> the money. So, um, but man, Mike, thank you for coming on. You, you, I mean, we, if you, when you have new stuff to announce or anything, come on the show, we'll do a big, what to do. We'll get articles out there. Um, I don't know if you know this, Benzinga's news is distributed to, like I said, every major brokerage from Robinhood to Ameritrade to Webull, whatever. So, yeah. Um, yeah, I mean, it was, it was, it was, it was it's a weird name, interesting name. It's supposed to be Raz Report, my last name. It's a long story. And then um, it just came about, and we started off as a small cap. You know, there was no agnostic news service on small cap stocks. That's how it started. And then when brokerages changed, they didn't want to pay big stipends to Reuters. Then we came in, and that's sort of, you know, you know how life is. So no, I don't yeah. know. But you, you know where to find me, I guess, if you ever want to chat about other things. Um, thank well, you for coming on. Research guys, you. look up LRNZ, and we'll next time we come on. Next time he comes on the show, we'll have questions prepared um, from the user base. We'll do we'll do like a it's called an AMA. Like we'll have the, the audience will come up with the questions. It won't be me because there's a bunch more that I received that aren't in the chat that they want to ask about this stuff, this stuff. But I want you kind of see them so you can prepare to answer. Yeah, I would love to do that. Sounds great. Let's do that. Like a little AMA, ask the whatever, ask you anything. It stands for some Reddit thing. All right, Mike, thanks for coming on. We will talk to you soon. Have a good one. Thank you. Yep. You too. Appreciate yep. It. yep. Appreciate it. Okay, guys. So it's Mike Lucas from, you know, LRNZ. I've talked about it. It's AI. It's security. It's the cloud stuff. It's the thing I talk about, the thing behind the thing. You guys know how I, I talk about that stuff. Um, and then I, uh, where, um, I'm here. I'm here. Raz. What's up? Spencer, I, I got to do something. Yeah. I told the guys I would do something. Yeah, I know. I know. Thank you for coming here. Um, I know you have another, you don't have to cover for me yet. I know there's another guest and I see them in the waiting room, but could I do my thing first? And yeah, okay yeah, guess do, your, do, your, do your thing. I thought you were hot, but do you no, I don't. I mean, I was going to, and then Luke said, I don't necessarily need to. Okay. So, um, I may, maybe I'll do a little earlier, but. I was going to do this trade live on the show, 
but we only have 815 likes. I said we had to get to 850. Are you telling me out of the 500 or 600 people here, they, we can't get another 35 likes? Because I'm going to drop 25,000 on one stock. I don't know how long I'll own it for, but that's a big trade for me on this account. So if, if we get to 850, I will make that trade. Um, and it's going to, we'll see, we're at 825. Um, do you want, are you going to like share a screen or? or yeah, what? yeah, I'm going to share, but I'm not want to share until I see you say 850, man. That's all right. Well, in the meantime, we do have, <laughs> we, we do have Christian Young in the waiting room who okay. is the, uh, uh, for, from Clubhouse Media Group. Not, oh, not, so, not the club. I know. So let's do Christian first then. Let's do yeah. Christian first because I'm familiar. Let's bring him on, Spencer. All right. Hold on. Hold on. I got to do my thing, Spencer, for that. You know what I got to do, right, Spencer? I, yeah, you got to do your, uh, yep. All right, Spencer and Christian Young. Okay, Spencer's going to go off for a minute. No, Christian here. Young, Clubhouse hey, Media hey, Group. Hey, how are you? Good. And good. I know this is not, you guys, not to confuse us with Clubhouse. Clubhouse Media Group. I know what it is. I know the synergies. I But explain it to the audience. Yeah, so we are a series of content houses. Um, consider us almost like the Soho House for Influencers. They come and collaborate. And in exchange, they provide us uh, free deliverables and content, uh, which we use uh, to market against and we sell against. So we're probably like uh, the first series of content houses, really. Uh, we have an intellectual property arm and we also have a, a venture arm. Uh, so we will go and acquire companies that our uh, influencers um, promote and also own uh, with us. Got it. Got it. Okay. And so how long ago did you guys start this? Yeah, so we started this thing about a year ago as a private company. We took it public back in November, um, and uh, we're you know well on our way now. Okay, and and wait, go ahead, Spencer. Go ahead. Oh, but just to be clear, the company is more than a year old. Sorry, the company is more than a year old, though, right? Yeah, yeah, it's more yeah. than a year old now. Yeah, yeah, yep. yeah. But only in the last few months has there been this weird sort of confusion. <laughs> Maybe you can sort of walk us through. Like your your life in 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 what was it, February or March, whenever or Jan January maybe when when the other clubhouse started to to get big. Can you walk us through that? Yeah, so it's been interesting for us because last year we were sort of the clubhouse, um, and then of course I I had known you know uh, coming from a venture background, uh, I had already known about the clubhouse app, uh, the live streaming app uh, for audio. Um, social media. We knew it was uh, going to be rolled out this year. Um, I actually was invited on um, by some of the uh, members of the A16Z team uh, to go on the app. Uh, I went on and spent some time just to try to figure it out. You know, it's my job to try to figure out what the new technologies are out there for the company and whether we're going to use them with our influencers. So uh, I, I don't know where the confusion happened, but I guess Elon Musk tweeted our, our you know, handle and uh, and I think there was confusion because there was so much um, uh, of a news storm around the Clubhouse app that people bought our stock, I think, thinking it was Clubhouse Media Group. I remember that day pretty clearly. I, I was up pretty early uh, calling everyone, including talking to the um, to the Andreessen team just to make sure that there was, uh, you know, there was no confusion that was intentional on our part uh, or on anyone's part. And we uh, actually issued a press release that day just because we obviously don't want, uh, you know, investors being misled. Got it. Got it. So, so on the, on that front, um, 
why i mean so you're right now i mean i'm looking at the company okay it's up 10 percent today um how long has it been public for it's been public for i believe four months or so was it um, okay it was an rto transaction it was an rto okay. yeah so which, which is a reverse takeover reverse takeover yeah i i think um i think our kind of <laughs> We, we we've quoted ourselves as internally as, as, as saying we're like almost like a reverse SPAC in a way um, because we are sort of a uh, not a full investment vehicle because we do majority uh, ownership. But we we basically go and look for companies in the social media space that we think are interesting to acquire uh, or to take equity stake in. And so uh, in that sense, uh, we're kind of like how a SPAC would operate in which we identify assets to to uh, look at. Uh, but specifically in social media. Okay, so you're looking for social media stars to take like assets, it, it, take a percentage in them or something like that. Is that kind yeah, of yeah? Like, like a good example would like be the Paul brothers. They did really well. You know, um, they develop a lot of brands. They've developed a lot of intellectual property, and they've been able to monetize it. It's not just beyond. It's beyond just uh, getting what they call a brand deal, where you're paid to advertise or something. I'm sure you've seen it. Um, there's memes all over the internet of you know. Uh, of influencer models um, <laughs> promoting, uh, you know, laxative tea. Uh, but I think if you go beyond that, and, and if people, I think the public is starting to understand that uh, you can go and create uh, products and brands around uh, influencers, or uh, we call them creators, really, because they're creating, um, you know, something from nothing. And were, were you doing that before you started Clubhouse Media Group? Uh, yeah, yeah, I was actually. Yeah, we tell um, us more about yeah your background on that. Front. Yeah. So prior to this, um, I actually was a creator. Um, I uh, had seeded a travel blog uh, with my previous company. I had uh, uh, sold to a public uh, company as well. Uh, had a few years off and actually entered the travel space. Um, so I was in the travel and food and gear review space. Uh, I built a YouTube following, uh, nothing massive, uh, but around 100,000 followers was verified as a YouTube creator, verified as an Instagram creator. Um, and then had a blog with about 80,000 um, uh, uh, followers um, that monthly subscribers that read uh, my reviews. I had an older demographic than uh, what you would traditionally think an influencer has. Um, I had sort of millennials and uh, a lot of baby boomers as my followers uh, who wanted to sort of look at the lifestyle. So that's kind of how I got in the space. Um, I started collaborating with some other people. Uh, one of them uh, became very large, Daisy Keach. She asked me to be her manager um, and her attorney. And so uh, I helped her uh, with um, building her business. Uh, and that kind of led me into where we are now. Got it. Got it. Now, um, do you know um, my friend who knows a lot of people in the social media world, Michael Gruen? I do know Michael Gruen. You just, yeah. yeah he, um, okay, got it. another one of the uh, people yeah. in, the, in the networks. Very talented guy. Um, we actually sat down uh, a little over a year ago, um, and I kind of told him our business model. I think he's also done something very similar uh, with his talent, and uh, I think he's you know it's it's nice and refreshing to see other people in the industry doing um, what I think is a is a is a I guess a, a disruption in the space. I would say, and uh, Gruen does a good job of it. So. Yep. Yeah. It's funny. Back in college, I start, tried to start something where I took a percentage of like give someone $200,000 and you get 10% of their earnings for the next like 15 years. Do it yeah. for like medical students because they're maxed out their debt structure. Um, but 
to your to what you're doing i don't i don't know if you did you have you seen this thing going crazy lately i don't know if it's totally legit but bit clout where you take you, you, <laughs> you have you seen it i i am familiar with BitCloud. i'm actually on it so if anyone wants to you know buy it we also are uh, putting our companies on there our, our houses i should i should say um wait so it's very interesting it's it's basically so, like a betting platform uh, or a trading platform huh? yeah but so if i put in so if i buy christian young bit clout what happens do you get any of that money yeah, you can uh, you get a greater percentage. You get to set that at the beginning. Um, it's really just tokenizing people um, and and betting on whether or not they're going to have more clout in the future. So uh, I think we're going to see a lot of these plays. Um, uh, you know, anything that uses blockchain technology. Uh, you know, NFTs are really popular this year, as you know. Um, last year was crypto. Actually, I would say a few years ago was was crypto. Um, but blockchain technology in general is just great. Um, and we actually signed on today um, as an advisor of the board, um, a partner at Andreessen Horowitz. They are also an investor in Clubhouse app. Uh, so Andrew Mori is one of our strategic advisors now. So he's helping us uh, sort of navigate the space because they have a lot of knowledge in uh, blockchain technology. So, so Andrew, you said is helping you in the on this with, with your with your uh, Andrew Mori is helping you guys with Clubhouse Media. Yeah, he is. Okay, and so. What does that mean for Andreessen Horowitz? So he's he's at Andreessen Horowitz as well, and he's yes. you, okay. So he's at Andreessen Horowitz. It is not a official partnership with Andreessen itself, but it is with Andrew Mori, who's a partner, and uh, he's an investor that holds carry in many companies over there. So um, uh, he's taking an advisory role for a company um, because we really do uh, want to be at the forefront of everything we do in technology, and and we believe you know. Uh, the more advisors we have uh, from the venture space, and because I'm, I'm from the venture space as well, I think it'll make us a stronger team and a stronger company. Got it. So a couple uh, questions. On the RTO, did you like doing that reverse takeover th uh, thing? I'm, I'm, I'm actually asking out of curiosity because no. <laughs> well, we, well, so we've been approached by several different things. Our, our, our company does nice eight digits of revenue and, and fairly profitable. Mm -hmm. And we've had SPACs reach out to us, and I didn't want to go SPAC route because it's four or six months. Another company who has a NASDAQ listed security that's not doing much right now, they want to get rid of the NASDAQ security and then convert it into Benzinga. So the symbol would be like Zing or whatever. Yeah. And so, in essence, it's a reverse, you know, whatever. And I, it's an RTO. Yeah. It's an RTO. And I'm not really exploring it in a heavy way. And people are asking, people are probably asking, why are they talking about this private stuff? But this is just a general question though. So why do you not like that? Or were you involved with the company when you did the RTO? Yeah, I, uh, I was with the company when it was private. Um, and so I actually was uh, heavily involved in the RTO in identifying the, um, the target um, for the RTO transaction. Was, how do you know how to do that? How do you know how to go find the target for RTO so, transaction? Yeah, so this is, um, this is my second RTO I've done. So I've gone through this process in the past um, okay. and uh, and so I'm familiar with it. Uh, ultimately, it's identifying uh, a target that is what they call clean. You know, um, you do a litigation check, uh, you do, you know, outstanding debt check. Uh, there's a whole checklist that you'll go through with uh, goods. I mean, the, the key to it really is good securities counsel and big shout out to uh, Laura Anthony uh, and her firm for being our partners on, on, on working on this. Okay. Um, and it's a, uh, it's a good accounting uh, team that can really, you know, um, really do the diligence and make sure everything is clean before you merge your private company into your public one. It, it is now I will say it is great because it's, it's quicker uh, than a direct listing. Um, and ultimately SPACs are really 
they're just RTOs. They're just RTOs that have been pre-funded. Uh, exactly. And, yeah. So it's really, you know, uh, you can, uh, I wouldn't say you can completely interchange the two, but they're very similar. The only difference is an RTO is actually public. A SPAC has to identify its target assets, uh, roll them in, and then take them public. Yep. In an okay. RTO transaction, basically. So. So do you, so you, but first you just said you really didn't like the RTO or, or do you? You know, I say it with some caveats. It's a, it's a love hate thing. You know, it takes, it takes quite a bit of effort. Um, we had to identify, uh, I think three shells before we found, uh, the proper target, uh, to put our private company into it. So, uh, and then of course there was, you know, you're at the behest of the SEC, uh, and FINRA, uh, when you're talking about doing the name change, you know, prior to that, um, our target was, uh, a, um, was a uh, Chinese healthcare group. And so there was a little bit of name confusion there before we had the ticker symbol change. Um, and that took a little bit longer than we thought. So Got when it. I say that, I don't love it, I guess, uh, like I said, you're at the behest of, of, uh, of the SEC and FINRA and, and, and depending on what they do um, and how long it takes them, uh, it can delay some of your thing. Uh, you know, it can delay some of your ability to move forward as a company and to, uh, to market and, and, and talk okay. about it. Yeah. Okay. Okay. And then this question was asked. So how do you guys make revenue? I mean, maybe you can't give a detailed thing of an example, but how do you, I, I get what you were saying that you, you know, find social media things and create brands around it. But like, do you have a real world example of like something uh, you've done where you create like, I yeah, don't know. So, so we have uh sorry. Cut you off. Um, we no, have that's it. Yeah, we have three. We have three main revenue streams that we always identify from uh, from day one that we work on. Uh, the the low hanging fruit for us is uh, your traditional brand deals. That means a company will come and market with us uh, and ask our influencers to post, and we'll take a percentage of that. So that's your traditional agency model or management model. That uh, there's a lot of them out there, but it's something that's low hanging fruit, and we do that. So um, Boohoo, for example, um, is a clothing brand that, uh, paid us, um, Which one? Know, uh, Boohoo, B O O H O O, uh, or fashion Nova, if you're familiar with them as well. Yep. Um, and they'll pay, um, I don't know if I can disclose the amounts, but they'll pay X amount of dollars. Uh, yeah. and, uh, they will, uh, essentially have us create content at one of our content houses and uh and promote and tag the items on uh any number of channels uh instagram snapchat uh youtube etc uh and then you know we'll negotiate uh rights on it whether there's uh you know worldwide usage and perpetuity etc so that's where it gets a little bit more complex but um then on top of that uh the second tier of uh, monetization is intellectual property so we uh have our own youtube channels where we get just your basic google adsense uh we also uh create original shows that uh, we sell off to um, one of our preferred partners is Snapchat. We're, we're, we love them and, and they're great. You know, they're great uh, vendors with us. Uh, and then our third tier, which um, we're currently in the process of, is uh, we're acquiring companies right now um, that our influencers can um, co-own through our public vehicle and which they can help promote. Uh, and we also invest in our, in our influencers as well. Uh, Lindsay Brewer is um, uh, one of our... Uh, premier creator she's actually uh we are the title sponsor for her racing in formula four and uh in touring car uh, world cup this year uh she may possibly be the first american female in uh formula one and uh in indycar in the 21st century here so got it okay and then christian do you get out there do you have like a youtube channel like do you yeah. <laughs> or do you do you, do you go on clubhouse at all 
I listen, I, I, I don't really, um, <laughs> the demo we have is a little bit younger. I don't know if they want to be seeing me, <laughs> uh, but, um, but I do have a YouTube channel. I, I don't post to it, uh, anymore. Uh, been working quite a bit on this company. So I haven't had the chance to go and create content, but well, there, there may be something in the future. Um, you we'll know, just, we're, we'll we're just have sport. you, we'll just have you on monthly. Yeah, just just have me on uh, Benzinga. I'll, I'll be here. So yeah, like the, the it's a misnomer of the viewers because we we syndicate out to everyone. We're like the Associated Press of the stock stock market. So mm -hmm. you'll you'll see this interview on Robinhood later. You'll see yeah. it on E Trade. You'll see it on Webull, Ameritrade. You know, you name the brokerage. Um, it's on, and then obviously like Yahoo Finance. Um, you know. Um, there's we have a guy in our chat who's always on it. We have Gary V on tomorrow, and there's awesome. no promote. There's no, but there's no. He's saying there's no thumbnail, no promotion, nothing on the homepage. Email tragic. He's right. He's right. I mean, it's hard. You have all these moving parts to get the uh, everything. When you get the everything going in in a in, in, on a boat in the right way, things are amazing. But yeah, it's we got to get better. Um, but yeah, so your company is definitely interesting, and how you're taking these assets and the, and the, and it's probably hard for you in the sense that. What do you say no to and what don't you experiment with? You know, like, is it that water bottle? Is it this? Like, who knows? You know what I mean? Yeah. So we happen to have this piece of software that we acquired called Magicalytics. Um, Magicalytics? Magicalytics, yeah. Who it, the heck is, created that? That's a great name. Magicalytics. Magicalytics. Wow. Yeah, Magic Analytics. And, oh, I know. Do you want to share it right now? Do you, do you have yeah, it on I can nothing? share it. It's, uh, no, it's, I mean, like, do you want to share your screen and show what it does for you or no? Oh, I don't have a, I don't have, it's on okay. my phone right now. Oh, okay, so okay, I can't okay. on here. All right, uh, got it's it, got on it. a mobile device. But um, it, what it does is uh, it, helps brands identify which uh, influencers to work with and it actually provides uh, what product Got they can it. sell at what price and then within about 70% accuracy, uh, the true ROI, which is really interesting. No one's been able to do that quite yet. So okay. uh, it's a company that um, uh, acquired a lot of data uh, from a bunch of portfolio companies uh, out of a, a local venture fund here in LA. And through all that data sourcing, uh, it's got a combination of uh, AI and machine learning, and it's basically developed its own algorithm that can predict um, so that before first dollar is spent, uh, brands can identify whether or not, you know, because sometimes they think it's just like this black hole or black box of why am I spending $50,000 on this influencer campaign and why am I not seeing a single dollar back? Uh, you know, most of the times they've justified by saying there's social awareness, um, but ultimately they want to see performance-based campaigns similar to like how you go do a Google ad spend or you do something on uh, Facebook, right? Yep. Okay. One last question. How do you compare and maybe you don't look at the competition, but how do you compare against um, IZA worldwide? I know you have a, it looks like you have a bigger market cap, but how do you compare? Yeah. Isaiah is a traditional agency business. Uh, and, and the truth is, um, you know, in venture, we always say agencies are not um, venture backable because you're always looking for that hundred X or thousand X return on your investment. And um, it's because, uh, and Isaiah tried to tried to change that right in the market uh, and props to them for, for trying. I've actually worked with their platform before. Uh, they're trying to make brand deals a little bit simpler. Uh, they're trying to um, make campaigns that involve a lot of creators um, or a lot of assets they have to deal with. They're, they're really just trying to streamline that process. Uh, the problem is at heart, they're really uh, just a, a agency with sort of like, a, call it an ERP tool. Um, so, you know, I'm not, um, I don't want to talk bad about them, but, you know, I think they're trying to solve a problem. Um, I don't know if they've quite reached that yet. 
uh, I think there's other ways to go about it. Um, and, uh, and yeah, that's, that's my comment on Isaiah. <laughs> okay. All right. Yep. Yep. And, um, when you have new stuff to announce, let us know, we'll get the word out, um, yeah. break the stories. Uh, I don't know if you've seen HOFV who has an NFT, but when we broke the story on their thing, that stock moved 160% on our news. We yeah, we are. Uh, we are definitely. Um, we've definitely been doing research in NFTs. Uh, I obviously can't talk about uh, yep. the future of it. But no, but yeah. I'm not even going there. I'm saying to you, when we broke the news on HOFV, yeah, you know, a lot of these companies go to the Wall Street Journal and break stories. Things have changed. I'm saying when you have stuff to break, break, we'll break with it us. With you. you can you issue a press release like normal. You do it like a little bit after. If you go read the Wall Street Journal, you'll see tomorrow morning. The three or four public stock stories they broke. And then if you Google the stories, you'll see a press release comes out an hour later. That's all I'm saying. Break it with us because okay. we're, we're, we'll get the, I know the Wall Street Journal has the, the cred, but you'll see, you'll see, you'll see. Yeah, no, I mean, I will, I will, uh, I will make sure. I'm Jason, sure by the way, I'm Jason at Benzinga. Back of mine, so. I know I'm Jason at Benzinga. It's all, it's all public. Like, like I, everything we do is yeah. all transparent and all quality. I'm just saying there's, other ways to get news out instead of this, the journal, but congrats on your company um, and the growth. And I know you got a lot of pressure to find the new deals and find the next big one that's going to ramp up. But it just reminds me of venture capital investing. I've invested uh, angel investing. I've invested in about 18 startups, uh -huh. I don't know, probably 20 by now, not huge amounts in each one. I'm not investing huge amounts. I do it with like a little small syndicate of people. And out of the 20, there are two home runs. And that's a, like, you know, in your, in your thing, you yep. could have that. Maybe your hit ratio will be better, a little bit better because you already know who the influencers are. You're not betting on people that aren't influencers yet. So that's a, your, your hit ratio will probably be a little bit stronger, I would guess. Yeah, we uh, we get access. And because we, you know, we have a, a decent sized market cap, we can uh, we can do deals where they're post revenue companies. And uh, and because we have access to quite a bit of deal flow um, out here, um, being that, um, you know, I've been at two funds, Lamppost Group and Amplify. Uh, and now we have you yep. know, the help of uh, someone up in Silicon Valley with Andrew Mori. Uh, and I'm sure we'll sign on some more people as well. So we definitely get a good amount of deal flow and hope. I mean, that's a good that's a good batting average, honestly. Uh, you know, you're, you're looking for one or two companies to return uh, more than the fund. Right. You're looking for three to five or so to return a little bit. Uh, you have another few um, that you're going to take a loss and then you got another, you know, the rest of them are going to take a complete loss. So uh, as long as you can get a good IRR on the long term, then you're great on it. And uh, I think what helps us is we have this network reach of yep. almost 300 million people. So we can kind of like turn on and say, hey, test it out. If it works, it works. If it doesn't, it doesn't. We'll move on to the next company to look at. Exactly. I mean, we've had our losers that went to zero, but we have two. One that we invested in a $39 million valuation that's public now for $13 billion, and one that we invested at a $20 million valuation that's public for like $4 billion. And, that, and, then, and then we had the other ones where it went to zero, to zero, to zero. Yeah. But these two more than make up in a ridiculous way, which just makes yeah. me... Um, yeah, so the A16Z, that's the thing. That's awesome with, with him. I know it's not the firm, it's, it's Andrew, but he's smart. And it sounds like you guys are doing it smart and you're, and it's going to help s spread the word. Um, and yeah. we bring a lot of these guys, like I have Kevin O'Leary on a lot. If there's ever angles, let us know because. Yeah. I'd love we, to bring him on next time. You know, yep. um, he's a founder or sorry, not a founder. He's an investor in both rounds of the club, uh, clubhouse app. And uh, based on what he wants to disclose, I'll, I'll let him do that on his own, but would love to have him on as well. So anyway, he's not. Oh yeah. You're talking about Andrew. Okay. Yeah. Andrew. Yeah. Andrew, yep, Andrew. Yep. Okay, cool. Yep. yep. 
Yep. All right. Yep. That sounds good. We'll do that in the future. Thank you for coming on again. Christian Young, guys, he knows his stuff. He has experience. The symbol CMGR. Expect to hear more stuff from them. Maybe Benzinga will break it. Jason at Benzinga.com. And uh, we appreciate it. And uh, take a look. And there, there were more questions. We, can get, we didn't get to them all, but we will in the future. Thank you for coming on. And uh, congrats on Andrew uh, joining us, part of an advisory to your company. It's a big one. Thank you. Thank you, yep. Jason. Yep. Good Thank you. You too. Bye-bye. All right, guys. I said I would share my screen and do a trade. It, it cost me a, a bunch of money because because Spencer Israel made me bring on the guest first. He didn't make me. I I kind of did it. It cost me a decent amount of money because I didn't make the trade yet because I wanted to do it for you guys. And so now I have to do it now. And I would have whatever. You you get what I'm trying to say. All right. So here you go. Um, whatever. All right. So my screen shared. Yeah, I'm buying this. Well, 102 is what I was supposed to be at. Okay, so there you go. I um, made a trade into Penn National, about 30000 Before this trade, though, I did buy some calls today um, when it was at 100 And I bought those calls. I'll tell you the calls. Hold on. Hold your horses. Uh, so I didn't make that too exciting, I know. But I did buy calls. Let's see if those calls are up right now. I took the sharing off for a second because I don't want to reveal the whole thing because there's a premium product for our, my portfolio, I guess, now where they get my portfolio every week. So I, um, I don't want to just put everything up there, but I know we have another show coming up. And a, a couple of reminders, Gary V, he's a well-known social media celebrity, is going to be on the SPAC attack tomorrow, I believe, at 11 a.m. or 11.30. I should know this. I should have a schedule in front of me. And I know Internet Enforcers is mad, but it's okay. He should be mad. It's 11 a.m. So 11 a.m. Gary Vanderchuk, Vanderchuk from Wine Library, then um, everything else in the world. Gary V will be on the SPAC attack around 11 a.m. tomorrow. That should be exciting. Uh, we just, you know, we had a full day. I was going to see if we could bring on Fortnite. So, okay, here, here's what I bought. Wow. Um, the, the, the stock is up. My, my, Call is not done. So I bought Penn National April 16, $110 calls for, I guess, two, one, 295 or three, like $3, $305. So it's down a little bit. I bought $110 calls for April. Wait, no, this is, this is the wrong date. I swear. Oh, this is one I already own. No, I bought new ones too. Let me see what I bought. Hold on. Let me get alphabetical order. That is what we'll have to do because I'm I didn't, there we go. There we go. I bought. All right. This is what I did today, guys. And I wanted to uh, do this one live, but whatever. We had a guest on. I bought the June 18th, 110 calls for for 920 a share. They're at 1070 a share. 920. They're at 1070. So we're up 17 percent on them right now. I'm not going to sell. And then I just bought thirty thousand dollars of pen in the uh live markets i'm not saying to you guys to go buy it and follow me into this one when i when i buy these stocks and i have high conviction i tell you like in the sense of stks and save and a bunch of my other positions i i like pen i always like pen because it's not only an online like app thing but it's also the thing behind the thing the stock sold off today because arguably dave portnoy and uh, a sex tape that was being released. This is not new news. This is stuff that's been out there before. Oh, Spencer's here. Hold on. He, uh, 
Oh, he just wants to say wrap it up. He, yeah, just come on. You can just tell me. We have another show he, to go on, so I have to wrap it up. But, uh, you know, so this is a different position for me. I've been in Penn for a while, and I just bought it when I saw it at 100 is what I was trying to buy it at. But I bought it at 100 203 So that was what I bought. You guys got to see it. Uh, real money on the line. And I did that because I said I was going to. So that's the story. We have an, uh, another guest coming on. Um, gonna get good anchor. Keep them coming again. So tomorrow, Gary V at 11 a.m. Um, 11 a.m. Yeah. I, so you no, know, I bought thirty thousand of stock and I bought three thousand or four thousand in call options on it. Um, that would be cool. Internet forces. I'll do that. That's I'm gonna do that too. Okay, I gotta wrap it up. Um, I'm gonna do that. That's a new segment. And um, we got to wrap it up because I'm excited to, you know, for our next show, one of my friends, Luke's friends, Luke talks to her all the time. She works hard. She's a crypto maniac. I got in the crypto uh, world um, a while ago, but more so recently. I should I should actually have her audit my portfolio of crypto. That's what I should do. Catherine, what do you think about auditing my my crypto portfolio. I'd love that. When? Just tell me when. Like I get if I can log in, I would do that like we we'll do that like next week and okay. I own um I'm I'm going to start buying coins. And then Catherine, I have another weird question. You probably don't know the answer. What if Benzinga wanted to have a coin? Like Dogecoin means mm -hmm. means nothing. What mm -hmm. if we created the BZ coin, okay? Um yes. and then then also Catherine, I don't know if you've looked at it, but Bitclout where you can, you know, invest in oh, like yeah. So I love that concept because I tried to do that many years ago, but it was like the SEC didn't like it. So mm -hmm. I didn't do it. But uh, um, why do people who are in the public eye make sex tapes? Such a bad idea. Maybe a company that secures your tapes would be popular. Webcoin, he made the tapes before he was in the public eye. And guys, ever, I mean, it's, I don't know. I, 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 these, I don't know. There's a whole thing with bars with Penn, Penn and Dave Portnoy today, Catherine. And it's probably stuff we don't want to talk about now, but that's just, <laughs> that's that someone just commented. So, um, all right. I will, um, I will uh, let you take it over. But yes, you got to audit my Bitcoin holdings. And I still haven't figured out a couple of things that I'm trying to understand, but you are awesome. And I think, and I've heard you have an awesome show coming up today. So if you're tuning in right now, guys, don't leave, slam the like, get excited. We have the one and the only Catherine Ross, take it away, next show. <laughs> Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall credit card bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall credit card bill.